You're not going to believe this. You like the movie? I found this thing. The Imagination Station. You get on the platform and you become yourself at your greatest potential. We have to do it. Here goes nothing. I am Captain Awesome. Check out my cape. Check out my biceps. Dude, I'm getting in. I am a leash. What does it say on my chest? The dog walker? Guess that's your full potential. No. How? I, I can already walk dogs. I'm going again. Oh, yeah. Now I feel the power. I am the incredible asshole on the internet who corrects people for using the wrong your? What the hell? Hey, look at this. I just invented a heartburn-free supreme pizza. Something is wrong with this machine. Hold on. I have Uncle Joe on the phone. He wants me to make first contact with the aliens. I'm the only one who understands them. I'm very happy for you, but why can't this machine show me the best version of myself? Sean, hold on. I just mathematically proved the existence of God. One last time. I am a totally useless husk of a person. You know what? Fine. At least it didn't turn me into a little fascist baby. I'm Sean Hills. That's Sean Hills. That's Chris Campa. This is Circle Takes. An evil, German-accented John Voigt selects a nondescript daycare as the site to launch his worldwide brainwashing TV network. And our world's only hope for salvation is an ass-kicking immortal baby and his infant friends. This is Super Babies. Baby Geniuses too. Yeah, we, we should definitely just go with that. 2004's Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. A uh, bunch of babies save the world in diapers and they kick ass. Uh, interesting. Yeah. It's your usual <laughs> Hollywood box office fair. You know, it just this one. This one reminds me of uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And, um, you know, before never before, saw that one. Uh, yeah, I've never either, but <laughs> I just I always look at it this way. When <laughs> how I how do you know? How can you judge Beverly Hills Chihuahua? Well, uh, because I use it. I actually Beverly Hills Chihuahua is a bit of a compass, Sean. It's a bit of a motivator. I always say this. This is like how my mom criticized the Da Vinci Code uh, for being anti-Catholic, but she never watched it, so she doesn't know. You know, and I and you read. Don't know that Beverly Hills Chihuahua isn't I, good. <laughs> I read a few chapters of that book. I think Family Guy had it best in the joke they made on that book, where they said it's it's a wonderful book. It makes you feel like you're really reading because every chapter is like three pages, and you're, you're like seven <laughs> chapters in by a third of the book. So it's uh, yeah, that's all I know about Da Vinci Code. Um, I say that thing about the Chihuahua because it, you know anyone that's trying to make a movie in this town, I say a hey, Hollywood greenlit Beverly Hills Chihuahua. So, you know, that can get a theatrical release. Anything's possible. Dreams can come true. Dreams can come true. Um, so 2004 is a super baby starring yeah. uh, John Voight, Vanessa Angel, Justin Chatwin. What a surprise. Uh, Scott Bayo. Yeah, I didn't expect it either. Um, do we want to get into the baby cast? 
Of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, the anchor of the film. That's right. Uh, Skylar Shea is Kylie. Peter Wingfield is Crow. Leo Fitzgerald as Kahuna. Gary Fitzgerald as Kahuna. Miles Fitzgerald as Kahuna. Max um, Eilis Isles as Archie. Uh, Michael Isles or Eilis as Archie. Jared Sheedman as Finkelman. Jordan Sheedman as Finkelman. Maya J. Uh, Bastidas as Rosita, uh, Kaina Lynn as Rosita, uh, Joshua Lockhart as Alex, Maxwell Lockhart as Alex, and Anastasia Travato as Tasha or Tasha. Yeah. Directed by Bob Clark, written by Robert Grasmere. I like that last name. Shout out to Nashville. Sean, if you know the reference. Uh, Francisca Matos and Stephen Paul. Yeah, and it was uh, cinematography was done by Mar Malay. Look at that. Look at it. Well, this is a very special episode of Circle Takes. Today we're celebrating 10 episodes. We're celebrating recording 10 episodes by having a special guest (laughs) on the 11th episode. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, that guest is our dear friend of the show, a writer, director, cinematographer i could go on and on but this is justin otska hey there justin welcome hey guys thank you for having me it's an it's an honor to be your first guest it's also an honor that you'd call me a cinematographer (laughs) because i just do i'm a videographer but i'll take cinematographer Okay. All right. We'll uh, we'll hyphenate appropriately. Sean, get it get it right. We'll downgrade you in post. Oh no, no, that's not correcting, Sean. I, I, that was very charitable. Oh, okay. Right, it's well, more uh, self-deprecation than anything. I take it back. I take it back. Uh, welcome to the show, Justin. It's really great to have you. Thanks for being here. Uh, honored to have you as the first guest, and I hope this isn't your last time. So we definitely want to have you again. Yo, uh, let's uh, let's jump into gut reactions, huh? Yep. Justin has seen this before. So Chris and I had never seen this before mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast. I, I have a minor confession t- for you guys. Tell us. Okay. So so this came out in 2004. I was working my first job at a movie theater. I was 17 years old. Which, which, which theater brand? So it was the Cottonwood... Uh, Regal Entertainment Group's theater. Regal, all right. It was at Cottonwood Mall, which they, which is where they film. Uh, it's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they film the uh, the gene scenes there for Better Call Saul when he's working. Cotton, with- Cottonwood does cotton even grow on trees? What does that mean? <laughs> cottonwood. It does. Yeah, there there are cottonwoods in the area. It's not true cotton, oh. I guess. I don't know. It's like a it's a, a white floaty substance that blows around in the springtime. Oh my God. Okay. okay. We're learning something every day. So yeah, so so they do that. The mall is dying now, but they still film uh, the Cinnabon scenes there for Better Call Saul, the one that's supposed to be in Omaha, Nebraska. Ah. But anyway, I, so I was working there as my first job. Um, my good friend that I made at work, his name was also Chris. Uh, he and I were big movie nerds, and <laughs> we saw this this movie coming out. <laughs> we saw the posters. We probably saw a trailer. Um, but the, the studios, I, I assume it comes from the studios. I'm not sure. But when, when a movie is distributed in the theaters, they'll tell you, they'll give you an estimate of how well it's going to do and tell you what size theater you should probably put it in for, for its debut. So 
This one mm. went straight to theater one, which was the smallest theater at our, the smallest <laughs> auditorium at our theater. And Chris and I would go, we just thought it looked so stupid and hilarious. We would go in there on our breaks and watch it. So my confession is, um, I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've never seen it all the way through until, uh, suggesting we do it for the podcast. So I had not, I had not seen it from beginning to end until now. And I like it better at seeing the whole thing, seeing it all play out. Wow. Justin, I, I have a follow-up question to what you just said about the, uh, the small theater and thanks for the confession. It's really, uh, that, that's a, that's, that's why we do this. That, that's, I had no idea until now, um, you know, per Sean, the embargo on talking about it before we record, which is uh, lovely. Um, what did they call that report that they sent out? Because in my day job, our, our, we have a, a subgroup of our department that runs models of how well a film is going to do you know, or AKA projections. I'm curious if the, if you remember or you know, like what the name of that report is or that suggestive communication in the theater, that's, that's really cool. Like tidbits to know about cinema. Right. I, I want to say it was called projected attendance, but I, I don't know if my memory serves me well, but they do, it would come in an email. And to my memory, it was usually like a forward of a forward of a forward and be like a screen, a <laughs> screenshot of like some, something that was typed up somewhere else. So I wish I had more information. Do you but still I, have I access remember. to that email account? I do not. <laughs> Jesus. It's, it's oh, so basically they, they didn't have the power of that machine in the movie, right? <laughs> to see the movie's fullest <laughs> potential. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, going back to you, Sean, uh, what, what do you, that be, Okay, so we got the confession from Justin. Should we get into Justin's gut reaction since this is his first time yeah, seeing what it is, through? Yeah. What are your gut reactions, Justin? You said you liked it I, better than the bits okay. and pieces. It, it, maybe maybe like is the wrong word. I I, en <laughs> I enjoy watching it because I, I find it funny uh, for the most part. My, my, my gut reactions that I wrote down first was just, what the fuck? And then <laughs> uh, I, I, I put laughter, boredom. Slight intrigue in the flashback scenes, and then by the end, dead inside. And um, <laughs> my 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 final gut reaction when I when I finished it was just how did how did this film cost twenty million dollars to make? I, I don't really see it on screen. So those were those are my gut reactions. I meant to mention um, any time that we would go in to watch this during our breaks, the theater was either completely empty, or uh, if what I remember is there were. The first time we went in there, it was in the the second scene, I guess, in the film, the action scene with John Voight, the like Berlin Wall flashback. <laughs> um, and I thought that was the climax of the movie. I thought we were seeing the uh. end. Uh, it turns out <laughs> I didn't even know until this week that uh, that's at the beginning of the movie. But um, we, we came in on that scene and there was a mom in there. Uh, she was just eating popcorn. I don't know if she was even watching the movie. And she had two kids, and they were just running around the theater. They didn't give a oh, shit God. about the movie at all. <laughs> so, so that that shows you a gut reaction of of others as well, including children. No, they had no interest in the movie. That's like a time capsule gut reaction. I like that. That's that's great. A message in a bottle right there from two thousand four. Wow. You know. Okay. Yeah. So I second all of those, uh, Justin, though, that's, that's pretty wild. And I too 
I didn't think it was the end because I knew I had just started it. But when when we got into that scene, you know, like, I just remember Voight in like the Nazi uh, motif, you know, obviously like that's he's being that that's the the joke that they're making there with that 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 wardrobe, that jacket he had on with the high lapels, um, which, you know, shout out to the production design on this. I mean, I, I overall. Uh, I didn't have a WTF, but my my first reaction was I just wrote down, look who's talking, did it better. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, initially and then, you know, I, I noticed a lot of homages. Um, I agree with all your points. Um, I wrote, you know, good adult acting, uh, especially for Voight. Uh, he was the most entertaining to me. His lines, I thought, were hilarious. I, I was a great performance. And I had no idea he was going to be in this movie. Um, you know, Justin Chatwin as well from um, from Shameless. Uh, you know, I was so used to seeing his his ass at the beginning of the Shameless show because it's the little montage when the show starts. It's a shot of his ass for like seven seasons or something, you know. So I hope he, uh, he got some money out of that. Um, and then yeah, you saw him showing his ass a different way. That's right. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, you didn't do a bad job. And I these no. are just these are quick little, you know, I wrote, is that the kid from Little Rascals? But I think that might <laughs> be wrong because Little Rascals is from the 90s for me. Um, and then I think the rest of this stuff is... Yeah, I don't know, John, I don't know if this goes somewhere else, but I wrote, is the Kahuna part of a larger or is the Kahuna, um, uh, is his whole thing part of a larger mental issue with RG, Archie? Yeah, that's what I wrote. Is the Kahuna part of a larger mental issue with Archie? Because <laughs> I started like really analyzing oh, it. Because like some- at the yeah at the start of the movie, they're like the Kahuna's not real, Archie. Right. You know, there's some <laughs> gaslighting. Going yeah, on yeah, there was some serious gaslighting yeah. for these kids. And I, I just said like, I said, I said sensitivity training. I was like this early. I was like, who are these people? Yeah, you know, I do remember when this came out, uh, gut reactions, and uh, I remember just you know just seeing it. It was just there, kind of like again Beverly Hills Chihuahua and. I can't believe that like I had, I've just watched it yesterday and that we're talking about it. But, you know, I went with it and, and we were talking earlier in the week, briefly in the text message. And Justin, you had mentioned that you picked it because you had heard our first episode, Munchie. And that while I was watching it, I said, oh, wow, I can totally understand why he picked this one because of what he thought of our first episode, right, you know, like right. it, it made sense. Uh, and, but I, I, you know, we went with it and I think you have another detail to share with us. Uh, but overall, Oh, four was a very, very memorable year for me just in, in my personal life. Um, so knowing that this came out in Oh four, that was, it was like, huh, interesting. Um, and eh, I, I say this objectively, they really committed cast and crew to this picture. You know, I mean, they, yeah. like they are in it. Everyone's doing their job and they're taking it seriously. I mean, it's part two. You know, <laughs> I think uh, Sean mentioned the last last episode that we're we, we keep talking about sequels. We're always talking about twos on this. So maybe that's a running theme. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure I got more. But Sean, what, what are your gut reactions? It's terrible. But I had a good time. It's confusing. Like, I think it was just the perfect length that I enjoyed watching the the madness unfold on screen. Tell, tell Justin um, what, I, what I asked you yeah. yesterday when I when I called you and I said, I was like, what the fuck is this thing? Tell him. <laughs> oh, Chris. Uh, Chris thought that the movie was like four and a half hours long. 
He called me Why? and was like, what the hell? <laughs> well, I'm not going to watch this four and a half hour movie. <laughs> yeah, you scared the shit out of me. And, I, I thought for, and then like, he realized his, his video player was set to like uh, 0.25 X speed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and Chell was like, "Wait, what?" He goes, "It's eighty-eight minutes," and he, he, you know, I was like, "No, it's not. It's like it's literally four hours." And I, it, it was set on slow mo or something, you know. Shout out to QuickTime, but yeah, yeah, you didn't watch it maybe, like that. Maybe it felt that long after you watched it. No, I, I just second what Sean said. It. I'm glad it was brief. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually appreciated that it was under ninety minutes. Something about seeing eighty-eight minutes just didn't make it seem like it was going to be as terrible. I don't know. Something at 90 and above yeah. just seems there's a difference there. So I agree. Yeah, it goes down easier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I loved, I was very surprised by like the wire work and <laughs> the fight choreography. Uh, they're not, they're not half-assing it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always look great, but like they're, go <laughs> they're going there, they're doing it. And I had to look at you know, a timeline of when similar movies came out and Spy Kids came out in 2001. I have, I have to feel that they felt like they needed to bank off of Spy Kids a little bit because Spy Kids was pretty successful. Right. A lot of homages in this movie. Uh, yeah. Homages is a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of ripping off, I think. Um, and I don't know, Justin had had you ever seen the first one? I so I watched the trailer this week, and it looked familiar. Okay. But I don't know if I had just seen the trailer a bunch of times when I was going to movies, or if I have seen it. If I did see it, I must have repressed most of it because I don't. Yeah. I don't remember. I do know that this one there's like one line of dialogue that references the first movie, but other than that, it's basically its own thing. It doesn't really continue the continuity or yeah, the I, lore. It seems like it's the same daycare, but <laughs> the the lead from the first movie, his brother took over or something. That's that's what I got out of it. Right. I don't know. Um, I think it's a special. This movie is especially relevant uh, because at the climactic moment, the world is saved uh, by cranking up the free will. And uh, I know Elon Musk has been trying to do that on Twitter. So I think I just think that's very interesting. <laughs> Anything else for your good uh, reaction, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. No, we can. Chris, you can list off the right. shot list. We can jump in there. So here's the shot list. Uh, Circle takes uh, best quote. Does it hold up? Weird history. How would you reboot this? What would make this better? Who used to be a theater actor, nostalgia factor, non-white casting. And then we got our corners, special edition of corners today. Uh, and then questionable questions. Circle takes. I'll start. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, adult stunts. Um, yeah, I wrote that down. It's just like a trigger. Adult stunts uh, handled by Kahuna. When Kahuna was fighting at the beginning and he was like flipping them over and stuff, I was like, OK, that's. That this is that's kind of entertaining, you know, like they obviously casted a shorter uh, stunt double to to do those and, you know, dress them up and shot like they were using scale. They were doing like some Honey, I Shrunk the Kids type stuff to make it, you know, look like a baby is actually doing this. Or I don't even what what is Kahuna a toddler? Like he's not a baby. I, that's, <laughs> that's another thing is most of them are not babies. If you got right. a full mouth of teeth, mm -hmm. like most of these kids can speak you know, speak English right. by yeah. that point, Babies. unless there's some developmental issues going on Kahuna here. Kahuna said he had 
uh, he still had his baby teeth at one point. He had a he had a one liner about it. So yeah, about like uh, eating candy or something. Right. And it was uh, yeah, but yeah, 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 he, was, eat, he was just randomly eating a sucker for some reason that he, he had yeah. this utility belt. I guess I don't know. Even, yeah, even <laughs> yeah. The other babies are like four year olds wearing diapers right. and no pants. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, it's it's not it's not clear because even in the opening scene at the daycare, the the babies are talking to each other, and then uh, one of the adults is coming over, and one of them says. Quick, act uh, act like babies. I know, and, yeah. and I just wrote in my notes: uh, you, they're not babies. Like, are they <laughs> are they adults trapped in baby bodies? Or I mean, uh, ba- Kahuna is. Well, you get into that later because he's actually what like sixty years 80. old or something. Oh God, yeah, yeah. That that backstory was like they they focused the most on that plot point. Um, yeah, but, but to, yeah. To, to to cap off my circle takes I, for once, Sean, you should be happy. I don't have a, a running list. Um, yeah. The adult stunts, uh, when Kahuna was like handling them, you know, like kicking their ass, I guess. And then, uh, <laughs> my favorite, my favorite scene was the accelerator foot extender when he gets in the van <laughs> and he's like, and it, it hits. I was like, Oh, that's, I just cracked up on that. I, I said, wow, this thing made me genuinely laugh. It entertained me. Uh, and then Voight's lines, like his line, his, they reminded me of Chaz Palminteri in, uh, night at the Roxbury. Remember when he was like, Hey, did you just grab my ass? And the guy's like way on the other side of the room. He was like, how can I grab your ass? Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but that's, uh, yeah, those are my circle takes. Justin, take, take it away. So my main circle take, I have two. Um, so I'll, I'll do numerous like you do, Chris. Uh, my first one was the, that first scene, the Berlin wall scene with the fight. Um, and maybe it's just because that was the first scene I saw in the, when I discovered this movie in the yeah. theater, but it is, I, I thought the whole movie was going to be yeah, exactly. in Berlin in the sixties. Like I thought it was just like one of those bookended movies where like Archie's telling a story and then, right. All right. We're in the, it's a, it's a period piece. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Cause not. they, they really, they really commit to it. They set it up well. Um, and it was executed. I mean, for what this movie is, it was executed well. Um, yep. and then, uh, my my second circle take would be the flashback scenes. I actually was the most interested in that, <laughs> and the the production design was well. The, it seemed like the cinematography stepped up a notch. The that the wardrobe was good. They had like a color mm-hmm. palette going on. The the music improved. Yeah. It was like, and yes. I actually I I cared about the characters for for a few minutes. <laughs> the music I, I was a rip off. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. We'll get to that. I. Yeah. I'm wondering if we have the same. Uh, so I guess it wouldn't be a ripoff in my book because the movie that came to mind for me came after this movie. Oh, okay. To me, it was Home Alone. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah, the, I I actually cared about the brothers for a second. Um, there was some drama <laughs> there, and the the dad's performance was pretty good, and him dying and everything. And then mm-hmm. if if the entire movie had been about Kahuna and his brother, uh, I would have felt a little more i guess it would have been more than just laughing at it i i would have i would have cared a little <laughs> so yeah those are my circle takes yeah because i i feel like the audience knows their brothers like an hour before the rest of the characters do so it's just really weird that they withhold it the whole time because it's, it's not like a shocking twist there's really no payoff to the reveal like they they don't really make a big deal out of it um same thing with with two other characters, which we can talk about. 
it was a payoff for me, guys. I didn't know. I didn't think it was going to be his brother. <laughs> so I was genuinely like, oh, okay. That's where right. we're going. This, this movie was made for you, Chris. Yeah, his jaw yeah. was on the floor with that one. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean, are you? You didn't think it was strange that there's an American dad and an American son and then the other son just happens to speak in a German accent? No, I thought that was hilarious and stupid and strange and weird, uh, but but I, I didn't see it coming that that Voight was the uh, I got issues with this. <laughs> yeah, with, the, with that, you know, he was the uh, the brother. Um, let, let's let's continue. That's OK. That's OK. I'm glad you got to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, my circle take is the the final fight scene. I just love the CGI of Bouncy Boy just like going all <laughs> over the place. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's it's horrible. That, um, I mean, I guess that had to be where the budget went, right? The the CGI disc flying around, and then the helicopter, and the green that, electricity, Bouncy Bubble yeah, Boy. Did, yeah. Did I miss something about why the disc? could stay in the air for so long did he bewitch it in some way my Mm. i I don't i don't remember them setting it up but um i saw there were a few shots of uh kahuna with like his watch and he was like pressing it and it was like he was controlling it somehow i I don't know how so he can he could just like remotely control anything that's kind of scary. He could basically do anything. What are, the, what are the implications of that? He was crawling yeah. on ceilings. He was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking kid. Crawling on ceilings, which is, which means what? They had to construct these sets upside down as well. You know, that's. I, I don't know. Going off of Justin, I think uh, remembering the shot in my head, the shot itself looked visually constructed. I don't I don't. They may have not had to do anything fancy. They may have just shot them on the floor and flipped them upside down. It, it didn't look too, too um, wired, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious with the use of uh, so many twins and triplets, if if the now grown up kids can watch the movie and know or like remember like, oh, yeah, this was me doing this. <laughs> you know what i mean no because no. I, spe- I used to i used to be a baby and i don't remember shit when i was a kid you know so yeah but you weren't in a feature film starring john voight you would have remembered that <laughs> sure <laughs> um yeah it was um or maybe you were and you don't remember i don't I, know yeah, yeah maybe, maybe you were in yeah. there yeah. mom did we yeah. shoot something you're one of the extras in the uh, daycare <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, by the way, that daycare, I was like, "What? Where? What is this? Whose house is this? And what? Why? Why is it? Why are they there? You know? Yeah. Was, yeah why does John Voight choose this daycare? What's right. so important about this daycare? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the the initial setup was terrible. I I, I was really confused. I did, I thought it was an orphanage, and the <laughs> the two parents were running the orphanage, and then it turned out their child was there. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized it was a daycare, I didn't know. The whole movie, I was wondering where these other kids' parents were because they only introduce one set of parents. It's true, um, and apparently they run the daycare, but also the dad works for Kane in some capacity. Yeah. I guess he's a part of this media conglomerate or something. Right, yeah. and also these kids can be gone overnight, and they don't have to inform the parents at all that like, right. hey, <laughs> your yeah. babies are staying the night at a police department. Yeah, that, mm. that's why, I guess that's why I thought it was an orphanage because there was no mention of anyone else's parents and I thought all those kids lived there or something. Yeah, there's no accountability. 
We ready for uh, best quotes? Yeah, let's go in the same order again. I'll I'll, I'll take it off. Uh, yeah, uh, I wrote. So I have two. Uh, it's so out of context. Uh, the the line was, "I'm his real brother." Doesn't matter. <laughs> it, was, it was I'm his real brother, and then Voight. It was like waiting. It was like a little silent beat, and he goes, "Doesn't matter." <laughs> uh, that was Scott Bayo saying, "I'm his, but I'm his real brother." There's quite a bit of a abandonment. This this movie has a lot of like personality issues with the characters. Like everyone's sort of. They, if you notice, they kept kind of diagnosed everyone with their own psychological issues like the babies were doing it to each other and the adults i think at one point were talking about it and, and kahuna was talking it was it was kind of is this like a mental health message psa on you know in this movie well and that's a nice thread that kane says that brothers don't matter because we know he feels the same way right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you know hats off to them like weaving going off a thread weaving this thing together uh and then the my second best quote was actually uh it wasn't a quote so i guess it goes in with circle takes i'm sorry but i'm gonna write i'm gonna throw it in there it said not a line i wrote not a line but it was the action of uh throwing the glass remember when voight's drinking the glass and the assistant drinks yeah. the glass yeah, yeah. and voight throws it <laughs> the assistant right. throws it I, I, I like that so my, my, so there's some good gags. Yeah. My my first quote was he has a line when right before they throw the glasses. He says he says, I have a soft spot for the gentle laughter of babies. And then they both <laughs> laugh and throw it. For like yeah. it was there's still liquid in it and everything. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take a sip. I think he says that line a couple times on the movie. Yeah, he mentions it again later, but he's also trying yeah. to mind control babies and make them do things. So I'm not really sure what his relationship to babies truly is. Good point. Yeah. You got any other quotes? Yeah, I I have too many actually, but I'll just list a couple. Um, and then at one point in that one of those early scenes, they're like getting on a computer uh, to do something. Uh-huh. And this is where it seems like they're going to establish personalities for each baby, but they never really follow through on that. But one of yeah, them seems like, like a nerd. And uh, he's getting on the computer and one of the other babies says, you're such a computer nerd. And then his response is, I prefer the term computer artisan. Artisan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was literally one of my quotes I wrote down. Yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah, it's Fink- in Finkelman says that. Yeah. Yeah. Finkelman. I did not like him. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same scene, but it's the same room they're in. Uh, there's a lot going on in that office for a while at the, the daycare. Um, but the, like the, uh, the henchmen come in and they're they're having a secret conversation in there and then the, yeah. they realize that one of the babies is in there hiding under the desk and one of them says <laughs> uh it's a baby and then the, the henchman number one says and he overheard everything we said <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my first to... laugh out yeah. loud moments right there that was archie archie was in there right right yeah, yeah archie yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, because they know that that babies are like the smartest entities on the planet. That's true. Because they've dealt with Kahuna. That's true. Yeah. So I guess Kane has has informed them. They're all they're all in the know, right? That babies are yeah. gonna okay. Because why else would you work for Kane unless uh, you were led to believe that that babies are like you know right. the bane of our existence right. and whatnot? The, the anti baby agenda. He need to be on board to work yeah. with Kane. Yeah. Segue for quotes. I was thinking of uh, you guys remember Independence Day? Yes. Never heard of it. 
remember when Bill Pullman finds out about uh, about uh, Area 51 and they take him down there and he, before he meets uh, Brent Spiner and he, he's like, he goes, I don't understand. Where do they get funding for all this? <laughs> I, was, I was sitting there thinking of that line. And then Judd Hirsch, that's his name, right? Judd Hirsch uh, yeah, says, yeah, yeah. well, and to this day, I still don't understand the joke in this dialogue. But he says, like, well, you don't really think they pay $40,000 for a toilet seat. And then he's like, $20,000 for a hammer. <laughs> and they just look at him. And I was like, I, I still don't get the joke. But uh, but I was sitting there thinking, of like, for, for Kane, that's his name, right? Voight's character. I was like, what? Yeah, uh, Kane. Slash Biscayne. He has two yeah, names. Biscayne, yeah, Biscayne. Yeah, Biscayne. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that, that, ent- that name for a corporate entity or bad company i was like who who's paying for all this <laughs> and why you know and he's like so scared of the baby but if you think about it i mean they really played these characters fully and he void just this was a payday movie for him but he he went all in you gotta respect the commitment to the character because he was fearful of his own little brother but older i don't know what he yeah older brother <laughs> older brother right, brother, right? right? Yeah. So, yeah, hats off to that. I had the same thought about the funding when we enter um, Kahuna's cave. How did he, they say it's a hologram, I guess the whole place is a hologram, I guess. I don't know. But either way, I don't know how he had the money and technology to create everything he had and that he was using. Right. Yeah. And then when, and then when they tried to find out, remember, he goes, that's a story that I don't like to share. (laughs) Just covered it up. I mean, they were just trying to save it for part three. Like they were just setting up, you know, another sequel the whole time. Is Um, that true? Did you, do you, did you look at the plot of part three? I didn't look at the plot, but it just felt like that. It felt like, you know, when, when Kahuna doesn't stay with them at the end, like, you know, I figured like, oh, he's going to stay with them. He has a family now. And he's like, nope. Deuces, Go to he just flies off. It's like, isn't this what you wanted? <laughs> what the hell? I did look at the, I read all the log lines for the sequels and watched the trailers and I, I was going to get into it later. Um, I have it for Weird History, even though it came yeah, let's after do it on the weird film. History. I'll just say yeah. that they, they, uh, they do go to Europe in the third one, but it appears from what I can tell that uh, Kahuna is not in the movie. So. Hmm. Oh, okay. I have I have one quote for best quote. It's kind of more of an exchange of dialogue, but Kane and his like second in command, they're in Kane's like evil lair. And Kane is saying, lots of people have talked about world domination. Caesar, Napoleon, Darth Vader, Darth Vader. Yeah. He's just like, I'll go with it. <laughs> I'll just go. Sure. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. I really did like Void in this. I got to, or yeah, John Void in this. I got to tell you, like he's, you know, despite his, uh, his, him as a person, he is a pretty good actor. Um, yeah. Ideologically, he didn't really have to act. <laughs> uh, Justin. I have another quote from that same scene, the Darth Vader scene. Uh, when voice getting like progressively more distressed about Kahuna and then they bring him a drink. He, he asks for his soda or something and they bring him the drink and then they put the little umbrella in it and he just looks <laughs> he at it. He's, he's like, I don't want this umbrella. I'm a, I'm a, and then like kind of under his breath, he says, I'm a sick man. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. 
<laughs> I don't know if that was improvised or what, but it, it added something. <laughs> I did wonder if there was quite a few improvisations in here because he he you know they played it well. Um, oddly enough, I thought that uh, when I saw Scott Bayo, I, I I said you know in these when you do low budgets, well not really low budget when you do. <laughs> low quality movies i don't know programmers like this i don't know what you want to call this type of movie i, I saw the description as infant movie it's uh you know you you got to get a name to sort of save you and keep you above water not not putting down scott Bayo because he you know he's a he has his career in his own right but I thought of anything, he was sort of overacting uh, compared to Vanessa Angel and 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 Chatwin. Is his name Justin Chatwin and um, Justin uh, Voight? I thought that Bayo was kind of like the weak link inside the whole thing. Um, so I don't know what triggered that, but I just felt like sharing. I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like the rest of them just kind of feel very like dialed in, and uh, Scott Bayo doesn't seem like he wants to be there. <laughs> uh oh i have one more uh in the in the last scene um i felt it kind of summed up the, the entire movie they're they're they've the final climax is over the big fight is over and they're all standing there and the mom just looks around at the the, the weird like child's bat cave whatever you want to call it and she's she says this has got to be the most amazing day in history <laughs> do you remember that i'm like this the most honest line in the entire film like that's that is what someone would probably say if they just witnessed all of that i yeah i got i definitely feel that i would feel that way yep. if i had been there uh i gotta be honest but yo by that point i was half checked out i mean I w it was the equivalent of me looking at my phone and i was not looking at my phone i was just kind of like right. <sighs> staring at it <laughs> like are we done <laughs> Yeah, if I hadn't taken notes while I was watching, I don't think I would have remembered any of this movie because it's no, like agreed. one of those like it's like one of those traumas where you just you can't remember the car accident or whatever. Like you don't you have no memory. Agreed. Same thing with this movie. Fully agree. <laughs> Does it hold up? Does it hold up? Uh, Justin, why don't you take us away on this one? All right, so so I have in my notes it was never up to begin with, but I, yeah, I same. <laughs> I put it's it's badness holds up, and that it's still mostly fun to watch out of a morbid curiosity. So at the time we're at the time we're recording this, your most recent episode was the speed episode, which I listened to, and I started questioning my movie choice listening to you guys because you both love that movie so much, and you were so thrilled to talk about it. So yeah. I was worried <laughs> that we were going to follow it up, or at least for me, it was being followed up by this. But I think, I think the thing is when you're really into film or you want to be a filmmaker, you will watch anything and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can go watch French New Wave and <laughs> foreign films. You can try and catch up on decades of movies you missed and like watch all the greats and everything. But I think there's a place too for terrible films because you enjoy seeing how they screwed up. Um, you just like seeing it kind of fall apart and wondering how it got made, how people believed in it, how it made its way all the way to distribution and got approval from pre-production all the way through. Um, and it's just fun to watch really terrible movies every now and then. Um, and it wasn't really until, like for me, this was always, my, my friend Chris and I would always refer back to it as like a 
a milestone for a terrible movie, like a, a marker. But it wasn't until I started researching that I realized how many people consider this one of the worst films of all time. So in that hmm. sense, I was like, okay, maybe this is worth talking about <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, um, how many lists it's on as, as a god-awful movie. Yeah, I think what what we try to do on the podcast that is different is like we yeah, we'll rag on a bad movie a little bit, but we also want to like think about like what what could we have done better or like how, you know, how can we fix this? And we're talking about things like there's, you know, thematic threads going on here. There's there's things that do kind of work, so it's it's like we're not just going to you know, talk for several hours about how horrible it is. There's also, you know, we're picking out things that are surprisingly good somehow. Right. Thanks. Thanks for the, for the kind words on the speed episode, Justin, that was, uh, I told Sean the other day, I was like, I love that one. That's, that's definitely one of my favorites that we've done so far. And at, uh, sadly, you know, they were they were showing a double feature of it at the, here in LA at the, the new Beverly, it was uh speed and I think it's called unstoppable. The was that the other movie, Sean, that they were um, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. It's basically another fast movie. And because I'd never seen that one. And me and a a friend from work were going to go see Speed because he'd never seen Speed, you know, fucking kids. And uh, and didn't get to see it. But yeah, love Speed. Love Speed. That was awesome. Uh, But to your point, Justin, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier about how I could see why you pick this after listening to Munchie, which, you know, it, it doesn't make me want to suggest to Sean, like maybe we should rearrange the episodes or something. I, I was like, nah, we just got to leave it where it is and it is what it is. But I, I could totally see it. And, and you know, going off your point of, of switching, you know, from French New Wave to, to you know, modern classics to silent to anything, really, like, you know, we're, we're creatives and we... Um, I like that we can do this. I like that we can discuss it this way. And 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 I agree with, you know, like th- this this film created jobs for uh, all the below the line crew and and the writers and the, the creator. I mean, this from like you said, from inception to distribution, I mean, this is it's a business too. like this isn't just about art. This whole thing is a business like there's people who will pay to see this. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I fully agree with with what you said. And I, I think it is a good choice because at the end of the day, it does kind of help you take a break from sort of, uh, you know, going deep into concentration of keeping up with characters on a series or, you know, committing to a two and a half hour movie or even a, just a two hour or another 90 minute film that that you kind of have to, you know, just be there for. Um, and there is, you know, go, I'll save this one for Nostalgia Factor, but there was, I actually have something for Nostalgia Factor, even though I didn't see this uh, back in 04. But um, uh, I don't want to cut you off if you were not finished with Does It Hold Up? But for me, it's a simple no. Um, and I agree with uh, it was never up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but finish if you had more, Justin. I, I was just going to, I'll just wrap up by saying I think it, it holds up as a terrible film. It's still on a lot of lists on IMDb. It's number three as the worst films of all time. What was number one? Geely? Number two is Manos, Hands of Fate, and number one is um, Disaster Movie. Surprising. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Mm. But um, I just, I think there's a place in film culture for, you know, the Plan Nines of Outer Space and Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Mystery Science <laughs> Theater, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And it's fun to... Especially like I, I 
have a fond place for in my heart for this movie because I watched it with a friend and we just laughed our asses off. So we all, the three of us watched it alone. But I think when you watch something like this with a, a fellow film lover and you can just laugh at how bad it is, it's it's memorable in some way. Did you guys see Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? No. I, th- I think I did. And I also yeah. saw the it, it was a cartoon in the 90s on, on Fox Kids. So I saw that as well. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that. What is it? It, it, It's a movie from the eighties, I think. And I, I was, I just remember watching it when I was younger and saying like, where the fuck is the tomato? Um, let me, uh, look it up. So you're watching this and saying, where the fuck are the babies? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Attack of the killer, attack of the killer tomatoes, uh, a hundred thousand dollar budget, uh, 1978. It's a parody film. Um, you should look at the, uh, the, the poster, look at the one sheet when you get a chance. It's a new musical comedy horror show. I, I just, I was like waiting for the tomatoes. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to take it from here for, for my, does it hold up? Um, I'm surprised to hear that Justin. I didn't know that it was, I don't, I wouldn't classify this as one of the worst of all time, especially not, at least not number three. Uh, Sean, I, I think you can agree. I think no. you both can. Ag- what? Agree with me? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like one of the worst of all times. There's a just probably tons of. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, got most one. most mainstream watchers haven't seen as many short films as we have, um, <laughs> so we know we know that it gets bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't. The don't. the worst thing a film can be is boring, and this this movie was only boring in a few moments. So I don't I don't think it's as bad as. All these uh, cynical websites make it out to be. Yeah, and we got we do. You, you kind of have to wonder whose list that was, Justin. I am a little curious, but um, but no, I, I was going to say I think you both could agree with me if, if you guys saw it. I I, I think you guys did. Fucking uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That to me was like I would rather watch Baby the, the this thing again than watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation start to finish. <laughs> Talk, And that's a sequel, too. Talk about fucking up a franchise, you know, because Mortal Kombat 95... Was I used to tell people if we ever talk about movies, like, oh, what's your favorite movie? It's like, well, it depends, you know. Like, if I was, if you asked me that when I was, uh, um, how old was it, ninety five? When I was, you know, in my teens, I would have been like Mortal Kombat or Back to the Future Two or you know something like that. But um, but Mortal Kombat ninety five is still an incredible movie. It did extremely yeah. well, you know, for a you know, video game base. I think it's still one of the top video game based of all time. And then, you know, they followed it up with a piece of shit. Like dog, it's just, it's awful. Uh, and I would rather watch the super babies than that again. So I'm surprised that the, and then I always heard that Geely was one of the worst of all time. It was like a big yeah. bomb, but, um, I'm surprised to hear that Justin, uh, I don't want to segue too much into, uh, nostalgia factor. Cause I, I feel like these could interchange a little bit, but as a hold up against what or to what standard um maybe for what it is kind of uh, maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe it does hold up in a way i mean how many i'm look i'm not a parent and i was wondering justin or i am wondering if you know how you're going to think of your child when you like are you going to think about this movie you know and uh, and your future child um on the way congrats shout out um Thank you. yeah and 
Might be born by the time this episode releases. So, <laughs> what's that supposed to mean, John? We're we're working. We this is we got a few coming. Um, the you know, look, generally, I don't like. It's tough to say out loud. I don't like anime. I don't like Pixar too much, and I don't. I don't like animated movies. You know, like my adoration for animation stops at about Looney Tunes. You know, like it. That's to me. Those are cartoons. Like I like that. But I. It's just kids stuff. You know, like I just saw Up for the first time last year, and you know, you people would be like, "You ever seen Up?" And I was like, "No." I, was like, I don't care. I just I don't give a fuck. You know, and. Respect, respectfully. Uh, but then like in, in kids stuff, like kid movies like this, I mean, to be fair, I remember Richie Rich when that came out and that was made for kids. Granted, it was kind of a stronger overall team and, and cast. Yeah. You like Problem Child. I liked all oh, that was. A, that's a classic. That was just done better. And I guess maybe because this is this one was so vanilla. This one was so like we have to get. The kids were the main those millions of dollars were from the parents and the, the parents paying for the kids. You know, it wasn't by no um, I don't know, Justin, I think you have something you were going to share with us, by the way, about something you previewed in a text message about this movie. I'm kind of curious about that story. Maybe that's for nostalgia factor. I don't remember. Uh, I'll find maybe, it's, it. maybe it's the confession you already made. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, I thought I read it different, but yeah, I, I'm, I don't want to ramble. I'm, I, I think I'm done with uh, with does it hold up, Sean? Yeah. I mean, for me, does it hold up? I'm, I'm with Justin. I don't think it ever did. It's interesting what you said about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Cause I feel as I was watching this, I was thinking back to our last episode, Chris Robocop two. And I'm, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this has more emotional stakes than RoboCop 2. This is more like pivotal <sighs> relationships between characters than RoboCop 2. To be fair, and in the defense of RoboCop 2, it was a plot that never got developed because if they had gone the route of getting into the marriage of Murphy and his wife and the kid, you can't, you you, you would have to take back what you just said. You can woulda, shoulda with this movie too. Okay? If they had gotten... I James just got Cameron on board like they planned <laughs> this would have been the best sequel of all time because he kills uh, it in the sequel game uh, okay all right fair fair fine all right, let's up. move on <laughs> <laughs> Justin any last comments on does it hold up I guess uh, like you said what what do we mean by that exactly because we're talking about it right now so in some mm-hmm. sense it held up and I mean I was the one who brought it to you so maybe I'm tooting my own horn but I uh, hopefully there's someone out there who discovers this movie and thinks it's terrible and <laughs> Googles it or looks for a podcast about it and they listen to this and it, it lives on in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to this film that it has, I feel like it has some level of charm and you can tell that most of the people involved were having a good time making it, you know? Okay. You know what? I got to add to that. I got to add to that. I will say this. It was, <sighs> I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if disturbing, creepy, or maybe I'm just being too sensitive about it. I, I didn't like him running around in diapers the whole thing. That that was just kind of. I don't know if that would hold up. I don't know if you could make a movie called Super Babies or whatever this movie is titled, and have the kids run around in diapers. I just uh, they weren't. Plus, they were all walking, like someone said earlier. Yeah, yeah they, they were, can all walk. There's no crawling. Yeah, yeah right. babies crawl. Oh, one thing that. 
one thing that definitely doesn't hold up is I feel like the bouncy boy character. Did anyone feel like his dialogue was was written like with a direction of like let's let's we'll make save, him urban? Yeah, yeah right, we'll type save of that thing. for uh, for uh, uh, non white casting. Uh, non white casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I have notes there it was, too. It was definitely uncomfortable at moments. Right. Yeah, and that and you know there was. And he was light skinned. Yeah, we're gonna we're going to uh, we're gonna get in that. But you know, to, I, I think I'm gonna wrap it up with this quote right here, which which works, um, and, and it connects to something I said at the beginning. This is perfect. Yeah, Dave Kerr in his New York Times review said that the film was quote not so much look who's talking as look who's walloping <laughs> while also noting that the problem with the villain's plan is that it is already in effect and endorsed by the FCC. <laughs> um, the, yeah, I, I think broad strokes. No, it doesn't because when I think of a baby movie, I go straight to look who's talking and that was done. And even look who's talking too is really good. I think look who's talking now was involved a dog, which didn't make any sense, but, but, uh, you know, I didn't know that Bruce Willis was the voiceover in Luke who's talking for years until, you know, much later. And I think Demi yeah. Moore is the other voice in there and, and they're married. They were married, but, but look, who's talking is a great baby movie. <laughs> you know, I thought that those are actually babies, right? Yeah, those were legit <laughs> babies. They just, it was just done so well, but you know, to Justin's point and on one of the earlier shots, um, that when they got into the the past, the backstory of the Cahoon and his brother, it did feel a lot more cinematic for sure. And and there was quite a bit of commitment to this. You could tell that you were being taken into a cerebral moment versus uh, just what's happening on screen, you know. So yeah. I will I will say that. Um, right. Yeah. They, they actually played with camera moves a little. They had some rack focuses. There was like yep. the, the silhouette shot. Zolly. Yeah. There was a Zolly. There was a silhouette, a silhouette shot of the the brother drinking the potion. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he I don't know how he managed to open the safe or what was that lightning that shattered the window? I, I was confused by all of that. But it's a rip. It was Baby Hulk. It was a rip off. I was like, I was like, this is the, they made the ooze yeah. green. The single drop. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. No, I thought the window was shattered because because the father's enemies were like coming. Okay, right to take everything. Yeah, I also that makes me think. Just now, I didn't realize that. Um, so the single drop of potion goes into Kahuna's mouth, <laughs> and then the 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 whole character arc of uh, Kane is that he's envious of his brother for having the superpowers, but. The vast majority of the potion was on the counter next to him. I don't. Why didn't he just lick some of it off the counter? <laughs> yeah, just slurp it up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like that shot of him. That shot of him like sit, sitting on the counter, like rocking back and forth, staring at his brother out of jealousy. Like he could have well, just drank. <laughs> Speaking of staring at his brother, why why was Kahuna there when his dad's dying, uh, and and the brother's just like watching him from like, Are, should you be there? It's his last moments. Right. He's dying. Yeah. You know? like, like he was basically an adult at that point too. Right? I know. I know. Like, where's your heart, man? You're so emotionally involved in this betrayal. Like your fucking dad is dying, bro. Yeah, it's yeah, very convenient for the characters. Weird, Weird history. history. This is from the Christian Movie Guide review of Super Babies. The film's romantic worldview endorses the notion of personal empowerment and the false separation of your heart from your mind. And moral elements extol parents, warn about the dangers of television, value children, 
and send an anti-communist message that insightfully compares communists with Adolf Hitler's National Socialist Germany. <laughs> also, a character assumes Buddhist pagan lotus position and levitates. Uh. There are no explicit <laughs> references to Buddhism per se, so the scene comes across as some kind of New Age occultism. There are four very light obscenities. Heck, six light exclamatory, my God, profanities, and a few jokes about baby diapers. And sound of a baby passing gas in one scene. Basically, this review doesn't... That's like the content warning. But basically, this review is uh, does not think favorably of this movie because it has a, quote, romantic worldview that endorses the narcissistic notion of personal empowerment and believing in yourself rather than believing in God. So you're not supposed to you're not supposed to believe in yourself at all. Oh my God. It, you know, CMG never uh, uh, fails to disappoint. And um, uh, wow. Uh, and then you that, know, the, the occultism of meditating. Yeah. I, yeah. The love it. That's hilarious. I got you got to love that. Uh, thank you, CMG. Who knew? Thank you. <laughs> All right. I, I do wonder what movie they think is the best. Probably The Passion of the Christ. Hmm. That was good, though. Hmm. Okay. Well done. So, weird history. All right. So, this movie was nominated for four Golden Raspberries, but did not win any of them. John Voigt based his performance on Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele. So, that's fun. <laughs> I read a, another review from Cynthia Fuchs at Pop Matters that that talks about how the whole like messaging of the movie is is ironic because the whole movie is like telling people not to like buy into exploitative media programming and like you know the kids should like go outside and play and have free will but the whole but this whole movie is just like an exploitative ploy for money itself so I, I thought that was an interesting take on this. I, I hadn't like thought about like the layers of this movie like that. That's all I got. I mean, the, the Wikipedia doesn't have anything to say really about the production. IMDb, I couldn't find that much. Uh, what about what about y'all? I I do want to say um, Bob Clark, the director, Porky's, which by the way, like the 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 most generic name for the most generic movie but rest in peace because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> rest in peace he he and his son were killed in a car accident yeah. in 2007 but he yes he directed Porky's but he also wrote <laughs> directed and produced a christmas story that's right which is like one of the most beloved children films of all time and i personally i wouldn't change anything in that movie and I watch yeah. it every year. And then at the so 20, years, America. <laughs> 20 years later, he's doing this. It's it's weird. It's interesting. It's weird history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Objectively, it, he it's his experience with his all his past films that actually like you can tell when it's a shit director. Seriously, and as as whatever level of quality of film this is, he brings an experience to it as a director and he, he, uh, it, it helps it move along. You know, it's not yeah. it, he, case in point back to mortal Kombat annihilation. So I don't know if you guys know the history about that one, but so the, the director, um, didn't like the script and bowed out. So what they did was the, the producer said, all right, well, we'll just use the cinematographer and let him direct part two. 
no experience. He didn't know what he was doing. And it was it was he was sort of pulling double duty because he's sitting there worried about another position. Um, but he's now he's trying to direct. And that yeah. just you don't you don't do that. And and, you know, case in point, like experience matters and you got to respect uh, regardless of what the titles are. You got to respect the time put in um, and everyone's got a different lived experience. So I'm, I'm just going to get behind that. Right. Yeah. And say that, I he mean, you know, he made it watchable, capable director, maybe not so capable script to work with. Or, mm-hmm. right. And we also don't know how much power or input he had over the script i i do feel some of the performances could have been better um but who knows if that was him or just the casting but i mean you'd think he'd have a hand in the casting too so mm-hmm. i don't know i didn't buy some of the performance i'm not even talking about the babies i'm talking about uh the teenagers mostly and then john Voight was good though for for yeah. what he was given <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think vanessa angel was given a good she didn't do much with that character. I don't think she was a bit limited. It does make me wonder where the start and stop there was. Um, the 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 girl, the love interest to Chatwin, um, was it Shay? Was that hang on? What was her name? Uh, her name is Skylar Shay. Yeah, I know. I know. I recognized her from somewhere. Um, she was in. Let's see here. <laughs> Bratz the movie. Um, apparently, she was in. Oh my God, she's been a part of the Baby Geniuses yeah. franchise. That, that, that was still part of it. Well, that's she's, my next. Yeah. That's my next bullet point. If you guys want, we'll wanna... save that. Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll save that. Uh, but yeah, she. I thought that she. Um, it was very emblematic of that time, that 2004, like the way that she played that. Is she a teenager? I think. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, she's in high school, right? She had homecoming tickets. Right. But she's a nerd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The way she played that teenager was very of the time. Yeah. So I had some overlap with what Sean said about where John Voight got the inspiration for his character, which is mm-hmm. pretty fucked up for this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I read, read about that guy. Yeah. Maybe uh, he should have kept that to himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then. I had notes about the sequels, which I looked into a little bit. I didn't watch any of them. But so this film was preceded by the first one, which was just called Baby Geniuses. It was five years before this. Um, And it starred Christopher Lloyd, Kathleen Turner, Kim Cattrall. And the trailer, Mm -hmm. the trailer said, and Allie McBeal's Peter McNichol, (laughs) which I thought was a fun product of the time. And the only way they could identify him, I guess. and then five years later, they made this movie. And uh, you mentioned the title earlier. Was anyone else thrown by that? Why Why wasn't it? Yeah, I was. I, I didn't understand why it wasn't Baby Geniuses 2 colon Super Babies. Super, exactly. Something. Right, right. Yeah. And, I, and I thought for a second, I was like, wait, I thought the name of this franchise was Baby Geniuses. And right. it, yeah, and, I, and it, it further made me wonder why you picked it because... I was just, I was so thrown. I, I do agree. I was thrown off big time. My theory would be that I think I feel like the Marvel, not the MCU, but Marvel movies and some WB stuff, the superhero stuff was starting to gain steam. So they wanted to lead with the super. Oh, yeah. Didn't Spider-Man 2 come out the same year? Yeah. Yeah. It did. Oh, four. Yeah. Saw in the theater twice. Before that was like what? what Blade and Daredevil was that around that time? I don't know. The Ben Affleck one? I don't know. Stuff I like that. that was that, 02 or something. And they had still been doing the Batman movies and everything. Yeah. So. Were the were the sub- subsequent 
sequels to this called Super Babies, or do they revert back to Baby Geniuses? So the the, the next installment after number two is confusing. It so it's called Baby Geniuses three colon BSI. And then in parentheses, baby squad investigators. And then oh it says, AKA baby geniuses and the mystery of the crown jewels. What? And then on IMDb or uh, somewhere, I, I don't remember where I saw this. It was listed as a TV series. Mm-hmm. And I clicked on that and it took me to an, an, an IMDb page. And there were, I believe, 10 episodes. And they all had their own names, but it was under this title, Baby Geniuses 3 BSI. And this was in 2013. Okay, for season two of the podcast, Justin, you're going to come back. We're going to watch the whole TV series (laughs) and discuss. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, my God. (laughs) John John Voight is credited as Taxi Driver. So John Voight came back for all the subsequent sequels. He's an adult again, because in Baby Geniuses 2, we all know at the end, he's turned into a baby. But he's apparently... He he grows up again, so he does get to like relive his life like he wanted. I wasn't able to to find out how that happened without watching it, which I wasn't going to do, but um, he... (laughs) (laughs) He... he, I I believe, from what I could tell, he's a different character. He's not yeah. um, Kane anymore or Biscayne. Not surprised. He's, he's not somebody, surprised. He, he becomes a master of disguise, and in the trailers they're calling him Moriarty. And in oh. one of them, in one of them, he's in brownface. Oh. And in another, oh. he's like a granny. He's like an old lady, and he's taking off a mask like Mission Impossible style. And yeah, this is when Tyler Perry was getting big. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> Yeah, they're just playing. Did, did the C. Thomas Howell not teach us anything? <laughs> so, so following that one, the fourth installment is called "Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt," and that was in 2014. Mm-hmm. That's the one where he's in brown face, I believe. Right. Um, and then the the fifth one, the most recent one, 2015, "Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby." And if you <laughs> if you watch the trailers. Uh, so not only does John Voight return for all of them and he gets top billing, I mean, he gets only billing. He's the only one mm-hmm. on the, on the, the, the marketing materials. Um, but also <laughs> as we mentioned earlier, Skylar Shea, who plays Kylie, she returns for all of them as well. And they're all, they look like they were made in John Voight's basement in front of a green screen. <laughs> if you, if you watch the trailers they're they look like they're almost completely green screened. Jesus. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and there's lot, there's lots of shots of them like sitting and like there's shots of uh Skylar Shea like holding babies and sitting in like some sort of device like holding them and rocking back and forth with like terrible CG in front of them um yeah so they just get worse from here at at, at least you can appreciate with super super babies the second one it was a full scale you know theatrical run it was shot on film it had some thought put into it the rest looked like amateur you know like they had like a dslr and a green screen mm. <laughs> amateurs putting it light, like politely <laughs> I mean, um this is inspiring it means anyone can go out there and make a movie yeah with john voight he'll he'll still come and be there. yeah yeah he'll be there <laughs> only if he gets to do brown face <laughs> oh God, the, okay, so uh, to add to this, this could go into weird history. So for part one, for the very first Baby Geniuses, Ro- the, I also find this kind of funny. Roger Ebert gave the film, the first one, one and a half stars out of four. 
um, writing. Not bad. Bad, huh? Not bad. Yeah, bad films are easy to make, but a film as unpleasant as Baby Geniuses achieves a kind of grand grandeur. Is that how you say it? Yeah. And it and it proves something I've long suspected. Babies are cute only when they're being babies. When they're presented as miniature adults, and in parentheses, on greeting cards in TV commercials, or especially in this movie, there is something so fundamentally wrong that our human instincts cry out in protest. <laughs> I think that's well made, and it can, it can apply to, uh, to the sequel, uh, you know, uh, R.I.P. Uh, Mr. Ebert. Um, and for the first one that, well, we both know it made a lot of money. Um, uh, oddly enough, the first one was PG. You would think that a movie like this is going to be G. What was the rating on this? Did we check that? We should start talking about the ratings. You guys see? It? I think it was G. Which yeah, was sort I would of imagine weird. so. Which is sort of surprising yeah. based on on what Sean read earlier from our religious friends. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, this is I think this counts as weird history. Again, going to the first one though, uh, <laughs> didn't know the guy had a, a brother uh, who acted, let alone let alone acted. Uh, his name Jim Jim Hanks is in uh, yeah Jim Hanks, brother of Tom Hanks, is in uh, the first one as hmm. Goon Ray. Uh, goon named way uh but ruby d is also in the movie too uh but yeah it it, it, you know i always wondered the further you know we we get into the this business of 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 movies um you you do start to really get curious about the choices the, the influence and the motivations behind you know your paycheck movies your uh from back in the day used to be straight to vhs straight to tape straight to dvd now they're yeah. straight to streamer well straight to streamers actually um it's not necessarily the straight to vhs of the current day because you know with covid and then with hbo and and what they decided to do when they put a lot of their films on straight straight to streaming um it, it does open up quite a larger conversation about you know cinema and exhibition and and what should be or what what it should be like what does every Mm -hmm. movie get a chance i was listening to um a conversation between some some people um some some people in the business and i heard a great it wasn't even really a quote it's just the uh, a label that the guy used to to talk about a film that was coming out and he said it was uh you know he said this cannot be a world event and he was using it you know using it saying something that we talk about often Sean is um you know, and just I know you can you can relate to this is like the business isn't what it used to be. I mean, this thing had a, a theatrical run, you know, and most films before streaming had that. Almost every film had a chance to to be a world event. You know, there was much more community involved in 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 exhibition back then. And now it's just it's so, so difficult to have that. But when you do have it and if you can have it, it's it's a treat. It's the the rawest opportunity for a film to make as much money as it can just based on. I mean, look at Top Gun 2. That thing was supposed to come out two years ago. It's coming out in a month. And yep. uh, they put their foot down. They're like, we're not going to go straight to streaming. This has to be seen in the theater. So, um, yeah, I'm, I was I was on a rant. I'm done. No, but I noticed uh, 
Dom DeLuise was also in the first one, which is a nice, uh, nice tie into Munchie. He sure is. <laughs> I see that as Lenny, who was a janitor and sitter for Dan and Robin. <laughs> is the first kid like okay. uh, Justin? Is the first kid the kid in part one at all? What are the tie-ins to part one in part two? Is there any characters that carry over from part one or storylines? From what I read, um, it seems really the only connection is a single line of dialogue, which I didn't even remember when watching the movie, but I read about it afterwards that they mention like two of the babies from the first movie. Somehow they know them. Huh. That's as far as I could tell, that's the only connection. But huh. Sean, you said that the it seemed like the daycare was the same or something. Yeah, it seemed like Scott Bayo was trying to talk about his brother used to own the daycare and didn't they have like a photo of the brother so that's why hmm. i thought that they were somehow related to the first movie but i don't know anything about the first movie in the first one they are baby geniuses and they're being studied in a lab to uncover the fact that they can speak to each other and they have like a, a special language but they don't have superpowers they they're not walking on ceilings or doing any of the stuff that <laughs> Kahuna does in this one. So, Speaking of, uh, of, of anything connected to the first one in the Wikipedia, the only thing it says is, this is one sentence, following the events of the first film, comma, four babies can communicate with each other using baby talk and have knowledge of many secrets. That's all it says in any sort of explanation of the sequel. And then it gets into the plot. The baby geniuses become involved in a scheme, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, Wait, what other secrets? Talk. Yeah, what secrets? What secrets? The cave, uh, maybe? And, uh, and have knowledge of many secrets. Yeah. Maybe it's the maybe it's the cave underneath the Hollywood sign, which I thought was another nice tie into your your speed episode. <laughs> Where you're actually, oh yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, if if the bus had crashed into the Hollywood sign, it would have killed Kahuna. Would have had to drive up a mountain. It doesn't make sense at fifty. Taking out Kahuna and his whole lab. And wh why is the rest of this movie in San Diego? Right, it's in San Diego, <laughs> and then they got to fly to L.A. <laughs> I'll, I'll, back to uh, weird history, I'll wrap up my section because I'm probably going Go on. But um, I had found a quote as well. You had your Roger Ebert quote. Um, I found an article that someone on Rotten Tomatoes wrote in 2018. His name is Nathan Rabin. Rabin. Um, regarding the first movie, he said, let's face it, the fact that a movie with the title and premise of 1999's Baby Geniuses even got made in the first place ref reflects poorly not just on the film industry, but on humanity as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the sequel, he said, it's less a conventional kiddie sequel than a Nazi-saturated, wildly inappropriate waking nightmare that single-handedly set CGI back decades and brought out the incompetent amateur in a veteran filmmaker. <laughs> Super Babies... Won't super babies won't entertain children or adults, but it will make you feel like you're gradually sliding further and further into madness. That is, that is, that is harsh. It has a, so it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes with 46 reviews and on Rotten Tomatoes, it is ranked as the worst sequel of all time. Wow. Oh my God. I, I disagree. Even Armand White didn't like it. <laughs> First of all, I hate the tomatoes. Second of all, I disagree. I fucking disagree. I, I think Mortal Kombat 2 is worse as a film and as a sequel. I could see that. I could see that. I think I think on my own meter, I'd give this like a 
a 35, 40%. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that like a percentage of it re- reaching its full potential, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like What's the name of the machine where you reach your full potential? <laughs> Imagination. <laughs> Imagination. Yeah, they should have ran it. So, you know, when you're done editing, you, you do a, what is it? What is it? Render? They should have <laughs> rendered this bitch in that, in that <laughs> machine. <laughs> Um, throw the movie in there. Yeah, but make sure you put the file in there, guys. Uh, anything else, Justin? On uh, Joshua Rivera of Entertainment Weekly said it was the worst movie he'd ever had to sit through. And then um, the only other weird history I had was uh, Bob Clark and John Voight also collaborated on a film called The Karate Dog in 2000. Yeah, in 2004. Oh, I gotta see that. I guess it came out the same year as uh, Super Babies, but. Super Babies was the last film he directed before he died, so he must have directed Karate Dog right before. I don't know. I bet Air Bud came out right before that. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 but, but Air Bud, I think I actually saw. It's so weird when you get these, man, like think about franchises that have the opportunity to save themselves. Like Fast and Furious goes from the first movie, Saw in the Theater, which was which was a good, entertaining film. And then part two was like, what happened, you guys? You know, you lose your stars. And then that thing did this incredible curve upward into what it is now. I haven't seen the last five, six, seven movies, but I I respect and, and can see how successful they are. But then, you know, like, you got to wonder why someone doesn't, like, see an opportunity in magic in in movies like this because as one of y'all were just saying about air bud air bud was executed well it was treated like a film yeah it's a prestige picture yeah <laughs> well you know what i mean and, and the the first super baby movie here was had you know you had christopher lloyd kathleen Turner. you had these people like this good decent cast to make it digestible um and 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 then you kind of mess it up and same with beethoven 2 and same with mortal kombat 2 we're talking here you know and i guess this goes to our our other friend sean um our our friend marcus who doesn't is majority not a fan of sequels but um but yeah you you can definitely just now maybe i'm starting to come to jesus moment realizing that they can either be really bad or you can really fuck them up you got to be careful with sequels. Yeah, we've talked a lot yeah. about this. Like, they're really hard to make, but I think another thing is there's a cynicism on the studio side that says the first movie was really successful. All we have to do is slap the name on it again, and it doesn't matter what movie we make, right. it's going to make tons of money. So they just kind of half-ass sequels pretty often. They're like, ah, oh, we'll fire the original director... Because, you know, we'll just bring in this new person or we'll hire the cinematographer to direct it or, you know, sometimes that works out. Cinematographers can make great directors. But a lot of times if you're just half-assing the whole process, it's not going to turn out very good. Fair point. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the ones we've mentioned have gone that downhill route straight to video. This baby genius's franchise, Air Bud, as far as I know, they're still making those straight to, to video. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they got into the Air Buddies, which are like mm-hmm. puppy versions, I think. Yeah, right. I know they yeah, existed yeah. until this moment. And the, the dogs keep multiplying. It never ends. <laughs> right. I think Beethoven did that too. And Beverly Hills Chihuahua, which you mentioned earlier, and Home oh, Alone. Jesus. Basically every franchise oh, yeah. we mentioned yeah. is no, still. You're right. They're slapping the name on there, like Sean said. I, yeah, I just, 
I just don't understand where the money is coming from, guys. Like, I don't, I just, that boggles my mind about the business. Like, how could you put money behind this? I, right. I just don't get it. Right. Because to them, it's a safer bet than an original script, you know, or something new. Is it really? It even has an amazing script. This, you know, this is a better bet. It's weird with children, though, because if you're, it's not like they're going to recognize that name if they're only five or six years old. They're not going to remember the first Air Bud. They don't even know yeah. it exists. So I don't care about Home Alone. It's not like they're, mm. oh, I see Air Bud on the on the box. I'm going to buy that. They they don't even know what that is. Well, then this then this mini this convo we just had goes out to all the all the uh, mutual minded. Um, uh, film lovers, admirers of cinema like us, or, uh, or uh, holier than thou. Yes, I'm making fun of us. How would you reboot this? Uh, I will take this off. I wrote down two words. I wouldn't. Um, that's it. Uh, but but I, I will I will cap it off with this. Um, when I, what I don't understand is when you got. All we have is what we've seen before, right? Yeah. And when you have something like Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking to, which were very well executed and 10 plus years prior to this film, yep. uh, I believe, uh, no, maybe 95. Yeah, but little, I think yeah, they were also babies, right? To, they weren't using yeah, exactly. like toddlers. Well, it was like, this is a baby. Yeah, exactly. And That's what the people want to see. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it just it really goes off to um, to the creative people in the room and 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 the filmmakers like you know Terminator Two will forever uh, in my eyes hold up for special effects uh, with the T one thousand you know like it just it holds up and even Aliens and and older movies but then you got you know like Air Force One great film but the plane at the end looks like dog shit the way it crashes into the thing. Yep. Uh, and just some CGI, just I, I don't understand why you just don't go practical effects sometimes um, with with films or like, why can't you just do it the way they did it? Or, you know, like it plus technologies. So supposedly advanced now you're supposed to be it's supposed to look better with, you know, time. Time will could argue that. But I I guess you could still mess something up. But um, yeah, I, I I would say uh, look at look at look who's talking and use that as your your compass if you're going to reboot this. But I would not reboot this at all. So similarly, yeah, I would not reboot this. But especially in the world of Boss Baby, which I've never seen. But what? Wait, what is that? It's an animated film, so it's probably why you haven't seen it. It's computer animated. It has stars Alec Baldwin as a baby who's a boss. Oh yeah. I've seen that. I've seen the the one sheet. Yeah, I imagine it's a similar vibe. I've never seen it, but if I did had to have to reboot this, I would go computer animated. Um, I'm thinking like Mitchell's versus the Machines kind of thing. Nice, mm. both in aesthetic and thematically. Um, I would say all the the babies they all need to be nerds. Intelligence is their strength, and it would it could it could still be about not believing in yourself, but. Um, it would also be about putting your ego aside and working together and becoming a family because in my reboot, it is an orphanage that they're at. They're all orphans. They're all waiting for their parents to come back because they don't understand. And the uh, their arc of the film is realizing that they were the family they had all along and they have to learn to work together and accept one another. Oh. Mm, I like that. I like that. I would get rid of the superpowers and uh, the aging thing. I would... I would Probably get rid of Kahuna, um, which is what I mean by the aging thing, like the whole 
storyline of him being an adult in the kid's body. Um, mm-hmm. I would say Kylie would become the main pro- protagonist. Um, she's also an orphan. She lives with them, but she's older. And uh, so she's filling like this mother role and and being a mom, but she also has to learn that she's a, an orphan as well and a lost child. And she has to uh, join up with the babies. And let's see, what else do I have here? Uh, her Her parents owned the orphanage before they died. But they were killed, which is later revealed they were spies. <laughs> the orphanage was their cover. And ah. <laughs> late, later in the film, Kylie and the babies discover um, their their lair, or, so to speak, their, all of their spy gear and everything. And that's where the, the action comes in to stop the villain. So the villain is still like Kane or, or some version of a person who wants to take advantage of children in some way? Is that what you're thinking? Yes. Yeah, so... Um, this sounds redundant as I'm saying it out loud, but I had I had in my pitch that the villain was also an orphan. Kahuna. Yes. So uh, Kahuna, or, <laughs> that's a good, I, I thought you were saying Kane. They're too, no. It's confusing. They're too similar. Okay. <laughs> Kahuna. Sure. Kahuna's the villain. Um, and so there's some sympathy between our, our antagonist and protagonist there because they're all lost children. And um, it's really uh, the villain is is lashing out at the world because uh, he, he or she has nobody. Um, and there's still a, a mind control element, but similar to Mitchell's and the Machines, it would just be like all screens for the modern era, not just TV. Um, and he's trying to make connections with people. I don't know if we'd go the social media route because that seems cliche cliche these days, but somehow he's trying to control people and, and force people to be his friends. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they have to stop him from doing that. I like that. This is good because I feel like a villain who's also an orphan can like appeal to the vulnerable side of these children, right? Like the villain can be like, you'll always be alone. I I know this right. because I'm an orphan too. Yeah, he's projecting. Yeah. You know, and so he can like pull them to the dark side right. a little bit. To to your point, Sean, um, or I w- actually I was going to ask you, do you think after Justin's um, <laughs> reboot uh, pitch, do you, going off a of little princess, do you think that orphanages are a great sandbox to play in with for for story idea. Little princess is not that's not an orphanage though. Damn that's it, you're a, right. That's just a boy. Well, she school. kind of becomes one. I mean, you know. Yeah, but it's good. It offers good material. I was thinking of Hook again because you know the Lost Boys, lots of orphans there. Right. I I guess orphanages are kind of old school. Like they're not really common now. But I but I would still think the. The idea of losing your parents or not having parents is something that kids would connect to on a drama level. I like the spy connect, though, that you because that reminds me of Jumanji a little bit um, of uh, the parents being lost in there. Um, well, not not necessarily the, the spy point. I know that does make sense, but it, it uh, but it it offers a good motivation for the character to want to heal to the characters to want to either heal themselves or become something you know or um i don't want to say like avenge the death but um do something to honor and respect their their parents kind of like a motivator yeah because as of right now it doesn't it doesn't feel like the the four babies at the daycare really have much of an arc they just they kind of show up they're like kahuna's here 
all right, let's help Kahuna. And then they keep helping Kahuna and that's it. You know, the end. And for the record, we're saying this because they made the damn movie. I mean, they, <laughs> they got as far as they got into wanting to to arc these characters. So we're just, we're, we're going off of what they're giving us, right? Yeah. I, think, I think that's fair. Yeah. I like Justin's reboot. I like Justin's reboot. I, I kind of left a blank space on the page for, for this question, so... I don't have I don't have anything to add. What would make this better? I'll take this one. I wrote. Hmm. That's all I wrote. Uh, you know, something else that this movie did rip off homage, whatever you want to call it, uh, inspired by uh, cop out. Uh, they did any of you at all kind of remember Batman Forever when um Enigma wants to that's his name, right? Enigma or yep. um, Edward Enigma. Jim Carrey. Yep. Yeah, Edward Enigma wants to control all the minds of Gotham with this TV device. Right. Yeah, I rewatched that recently. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought about that a little bit with what Voigt was doing. Yeah, his character was doing in this movie. That happens in Spy Kids too. Really? Yeah. Who's the, the villain in Spy Kids? Alan Cumming. Oh, he's great. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. He plays like a t- a kid's TV host who's like brainwashing children by by using his TV show. That's why I really felt this movie was just ripping off Spy Kids. Hmm. hmm. You know, and, and to go off of that, I will also say, why why did it have to be babies? Going off of like all the convo we, convos we just had about these other kid movies, it could have just made it kids and the film may have been more successful. Could have just been kids. Um, maybe the baby aspect kind of hurt them because they have to do so much more. It just, it adds so much more labor to the, to the, to the shoot. Could have taken the characters from the first movie and been like, all right, it's five years later. Right. Boom. It felt like it really was about Kahuna. Like he was the protagonist and they were just supplemental. True. It didn't really feel like it was about the babies. It was. Yeah. Agree. Cause like babies are kind of like Archie's an idiot and he, he didn't. He's not doing shit, mm-hmm. you know, and he doesn't believe yeah. in himself by the year at the end of the movie. And he still doesn't believe in himself. You got the machine right there. You idiot. And they, had, and they had no connection to the antagonist, but Kahuna did. Like, yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. 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 And speaking of them, well, <laughs> yeah, the title easily explained any uh, setup you know, to these characters like, well, they're baby geniuses already. So like they don't need to have have much of a lived experience to know all this, you know, like for your for your reboot, Justin, you said that they were all nerds. They, they were all computer nerds or computer artisans. Uh, I was like, well, how how did they how long have they been on computers? <laughs> they, they were just bored like nine months ago. <laughs> uh, the yeah. Anyway, uh, we're definitely I think we're we're being communal about what would make this better but i'll stand by what i said they if make them kids you know like seven year olds i guess i don't know and yeah. uh or maybe richie rich like preteens and um maybe drop the drop the um the cgi the, the that that dumb car remember his stupid little his flying blue car or whatever yeah yeah remember when he comes in in that car he comes in and he does like He's like, all right, everybody wait till I do this wheelie. It's like a front wheelie. He's like, you know, he's like turning around and goes, okay, I land. I've made my entrance. Fuck you. You know, it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. And why does this white child have like a Hawaiian name? 
<laughs> yeah, that was really weird. That was where I, uh, I was wondering if he was in the first movie and maybe there was some explanation or it was a code name or something. Code name Kahuna. I like how one of the characters, I think it was the voice assistant, goes, Kahuna is here. <laughs> Not stick. I don't yeah. Uh, but yeah, what would make this better? I, I don't have much there. Yeah, uh, Justin, what would make this better? I have commit to your audience. Um, it's not clear who who this is for. I'll get more into that for questions later. Yeah, I felt like there was at least one or two adult references that I was like, no kid knows what this is. Right. And teenagers, because they have the whole plot thread with Kylie and Zach and their love story. And it's like, who's your target audience here? Yeah. Commit to your genre. Uh, I have a quote from Tom Long of the Deseret News. He said, this is perhaps the most incompetent and least funny comic film ever made. <laughs> But I didn't know. It didn't seem like a comedy to me. Really? Yeah, it's a period drama. <laughs> I don't know. I. <laughs> Why didn't it seem like a comedy, Justin? To you? It just maybe because it wasn't funny intentionally. But I, don't, I guess it ties back to who's your audience? Because who are they trying to make laugh? The kids. If they were, they could have had more there with baby stuff and fart jokes and slapstick humor and stuff. If it's for teenagers or adults, it wasn't funny at all, other than, you know, unintentionally funny to watch because it's so bad. But I agree with you. It doesn't make sense why you would target because even let's let's look at Little Rascals for a second. Those were these those kids in there were just a little older than babies and or whatever. These kids are toddlers. I don't know what the right age group is, but I remember wanting to see Little Rascals in the theater, I think I saw it in the theater and I was a kid when that came out or an older kid and I still wanted to see it. But there's no, hey, there's no babies that understand even enough English to want to watch this. And uh, and B, what littler kids want to see a baby be able to do this when they want to be grown up? They want to see other kids do what they're doing. I don't think they right. want to see other babies do what they're doing, you know? Well, Rugrats is the exception. But that's animation and it's better. Yeah, it is a lot better. <laughs> I saw a great meme about Rugrats just the other day. Uh, it was someone was saying, like, I just realized that Stu, which I do remember was the the father. I forgot what the, the wife's name was. But Stu and the mom were like 32 when they were having these kids. And okay. somebody was like, F my life. Because time. I don't know. It's a funny meme. Go ahead. So whatever genre, not every movie has to fit into one genre, I guess, but they, they just needed to pick one and lean into it. Was it action? Was it comedy? Was it a kid's movie? Is it for everybody? I'd say it's an action comedy kid's movie. Okay, so all of the above. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said I, I said they could have ditched the Zach character um, and been fine. Oh, just like Jasmine's Jasmine. character? Yeah. I feel like he was only there to be a love interest for Kylie. I don't know. I, I, she already I, had a love I, interest at the beginning when she had the homecoming tickets, but he like, yeah, but he he insulted her, and then she yeah, immediately, quick, yeah, and then she met Zach, and two scenes later they're kissing by the Hollywood sign. Yeah, but he was just a weird. He's a weird addition. He's like living with Kahuna. It's a strange relationship too, because like he's living with this eighty-year-old guy who looks like a five-year-old. So is is Oof. Kahuna like a father figure to him? <laughs> I don't know. Is Kahuna his dad? Was Zach his assistant? Like, was he helping uh, him with his missions, or was he just there? He's like holding a football a lot. And he's, he's like his, like, he's like his reverse Alfred. 
It's it's weird. <laughs> yeah. It uh by the way, it's funny. I so I I will respectfully disagree with you on him being there because I think he carried he supported the movie a little bit. He, he he had me interested and he's he, he did a good job as a performer, but I will say that as good as he did because he's he's great and shameless. But as good as he did in this performance with what he had to work with, when you get to the end and he meets his mom, it's like he got tired of acting that right, day. Right. It's like you just met your fucking ma. And you're like, ma, I love you. It was such a weak delivery. Before he even said that, he's like, mom? And then he says, this is Kylie. Yeah. Kylie, this is my mom. And then he says, like, I love you or I missed I you or something. Yeah, it's so like just the delivery was like, hey, hey, you're going to step it up? <laughs> Another thing is like Kahuna with all of his resources couldn't find his mom, but but somehow Scott Bayo can. <laughs> but didn't they say wasn't one of the shitty lines? They were like, uh, yeah, Kahuna tried. Yeah, <laughs> just couldn't. <laughs> I was I like, but Kahuna he can fly really... and all this other shit. He's too busy. I think yeah. Kahuna, Kahuna yeah, Kahuna didn't really try because he, he yeah. wanted to have this minion, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't yeah. out there yeah. looking for the kid's mom. That's Cause, right. Because he needed someone to control. Yeah, and if Kahuna, whole time. if Kahuna can't have his mom, then no one can have their mom. Exactly. That's why part three <laughs> Kahuna should be the villain. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, I uh, had, speaking of that, to, uh, another way to make this better, have a more dimensional uh, villain, which I feel like they had. They just didn't use it. Like the, the fact that he was Kahuna's brother. And that he was jealous of him, and et cetera, et cetera. They didn't. They never went into that. Yeah, really. Other than the flashback, did you you remember the part where it's at the end where uh, Kahuna is uh, captured, and he's and he and the we the kids like run out of hope. You know, the loss of the soul or whatever, night of the soul that 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 dark night ten. of the soul. Thank you. I always fuck that up. Um, he's in the cave. He's in the lair. He's uh-huh. in. Biscayne's lair and he gets they like he goes take him away <laughs> take him away and John Voight gets into like a chair and he goes is he gone <laughs> and you remember that he just he's like I was like why why do you need to know like are you faking something like, I just I thought that was really funny yeah, you can drop the accent and, and now yeah I didn't understand uh, why he wanted to know if he was gone he's so scared of this fucking baby yeah, he's but, scared of yeah, go ahead. Uh, the, my last thing was just commit to the themes. This, um, I know you said you're not a huge Pixar guy, but Pixar is good at setting up their theme and then kind of like lightly reiterating it throughout the movie for everyone to remember how it's going to pay off in the end for that emotional payoff. This one, it was like they had that at the end, but they never set it up and they never reminded you of what it was. So from my takeaway was the themes were TV is bad and... You should respect your parents. Oh, you don't, you don't remember when they said uh, every child has power. All you have to do is believe. <laughs> I, I remember that, but I never felt like that came to any conclusion. I guess when they're fighting at the end and they accept their their roles, which is questionable in itself that they had to be labeled to. I don't right. know. But the, they never established any relationship between, um, I forget his name. Who's the main character? Arthur? Archie, 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 the, ki- the main kid, <laughs> the main kid, the main oh, baby. Yeah, Archie. Oh, he doesn't. Yeah, he never he loses he, that spot. 
he never had any connection with his parents really. And then at the end, Kahuna's telling him, your parents are there, your family's here, we appreciate what you have. Yeah. And then none of the other babies, we never saw any of their parents. So. Yeah, Archie hates his parents. So he wants to, Archie wants to run off. I thought Archie was the dumb jock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think Archie was a, a lunk. <laughs> he was lazy. He was like, oh, look at this. You know, the, yeah. Are we going to get, are we going to mention the, the, the gaslighting or the, um, or do you get, okay. Going off of what you said, Justin, there wasn't any, any conclusion. They opened up a lot of cans and they didn't, they didn't finish them. Some of them they, they poured, they didn't get to the top. Um, the, the, um, the the girl Rosita, right? That was her name. Rosita she, slash Haley. Yeah, they credit her as Haley. Yeah, they call her Haley <laughs> once too. Did they? They kept making her aggressive, right? Or she just wanted to beat someone up, and then the machine tells her that. But you have the biggest heart of them all, you know. And they don't resolve any of these these storylines for these characters. Um, but what did y'all feel about? how they kept making her want to beat someone up or like fight somebody uh, like her just general aggression. And, and then, and then the, the psychological sort of uh, uh, analysis that some of the characters would give each other at some points. Did you guys have any thoughts there? Yeah. I, I kind of felt like similar to bouncy boy. I was like, all right, so the white babies are calm, cool and collected, but then you've got this, uh, you know, Latina girl who's aggressive, you know, it's the aggressive minority. It, it really feels like they leaned into some stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. I ha- I have that in my notes too, that the Latina baby just had to be all hard. Or I was wondering <laughs> if it was like they were worried that the, that their audience would be primarily male and they wouldn't connect to her. Or they would think that she's a lame girl or something. So they had to make her tough <sighs> and cool. I, I I wasn't sure why they went with that yeah yeah and and who's i'm sorry if we mentioned it already or if it's obvious but who the fuck are the parents of who are scott bayo and vanessa angel the parents of archie yes or yes everyone okay yeah they're the parents of archie and then they're also i I think scott bayo is kylie's uncle which i didn't understand why she couldn't just be their daughter and archie's sister and then they'd have even more of this family thing going on but for some reason she had to be a cousin well, doesn't that go into your reboot of making it all family? Yes. Yeah, but his reboot doesn't have Scott Bayo, right? <laughs> or he's killed off early on. No. He doesn't have magic no. either. Yeah. No. It's all computer nerds. Uh, <laughs> computer artisans. Yeah, uh, Sean? Okay, so here's what I would fix. At the start of the movie, we're in East Berlin in like 1962, and Kane asks Kahuna, any last words? And Kahuna says, duck. And then Kahuna's tiny car comes out and starts like tripping people. So how would duck actually help in that situation? I would change it so that the line is jump. (laughs) He was foreshadowing for when the car flies at the end of the movie. Um... So that's the main thing I would fix. That's the main thing I would change. And then the ending with like, I already talked about this a little bit, like Kahuna leaving. It doesn't make sense to me thematically. Like if they're trying to talk about like friendship and, you know, finding your your family or your group or whatever, 
Why doesn't Kahuna just stay with them? Yeah, it's so convenient. If you remember when they arrive at his bat cave, when he brings the older children, the 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 girl and the Shay actress with the babies, they get there and Kahuna's like, Y'all look around. I got some work to do. <laughs> I think I think her character says, like, yeah, yeah, you got you probably do. <laughs> He just goes upstairs in an elevator. I was like, well, what is he? Does he have to write a report? Yeah, like that's, I was like, what is he going to do? And yeah. why does he keep leaving everyone? You what know? is, what is his like pressing work compared to like saving yes. the world from Kane? Yes. Because uh, there's just like a back to back. Here's a note I wrote while I was watching the movie. And this happens within like 30 seconds. All of these people appear in the movie. Justin Chatwin? Whoopi Goldberg, O-Town, <laughs> George W. Bush, like in a quick succession, all of these people just enter the movie. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I, I, I actually wrote that down. Don't know who the boy band was. And then I saw the the credits like, oh, O-Town. OK, sure. Yeah, I was like, they look somewhat familiar, but I couldn't place them until the end. Right. Yeah. But mm. they I. My theory was that they, that was in there for the trailer or a commercial or something, just to make no. it seem more legit. I I don't know. It was really weird. George yeah. W. Yeah. Bush looked like it was just some news Archival clip or like a, yeah stock footage. Yeah, I'm surprised Voight didn't call in a favor to get a real cameo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the I guess this this does tie into this shot. Um, I I wrote down over explaining. Was it necessary? You know, question mark. And I know that that, you know, we can all talk about whether or not something's too on the nose with dialogue, but there was a lot of that. And do you guys think that that was laziness on uh, the filmmakers to just drive the plot further and and just accelerate the film or or was it self-serving? Was it necessary for this type of project? The, you know, like, oh, I'm this and this is why and this is because of this. And then I'm conveniently not going to explain this other thing because I don't want to and I don't need to. Like, did that work for this? Would it make it better to not have that? Going off of what you said about Kahuna saying, I don't want to tell that story. I thought that was the same story that Justin Chatwin tells Shay, the Shay character later on, where he tells Kylie. Yeah, where he tells Kylie, Kylie. about kahuna's past i thought that was the same story maybe it was yeah. <laughs> but but there was a lot of tell don't show except at the beginning i had a note that i felt there could have been more exposition to set everything up because even i was confused i can't imagine being a, a child watching this yeah the beginning was a bit of a mess yeah yeah with the flashback and i was wondering how archie knew about that that's never explained i guess it doesn't matter but and then it came back to modern day, and then John Voight was in the flashback, but then he's here at the daycare, and who works for who, and all of that. Yeah, and he hasn't aged that much in 40 years. <laughs> right. No. But he got the Hitler mustache. Though. Maybe he did lick the table a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know I would have. <laughs> so either either explain it, explain it better or just simplify it. They could have cut a bunch of that out. It wasn't wasn't necessary. Yeah. Agreed. So, Justin, uh, you know, you're the guest. Um, I, I wrote a big LOL for this next shot who used to be a theater actor, but it can still apply to uh, to 
to the other actors in the, well, the older actors in here. I was like, yeah, Archie made his debut in Little Rascal. <laughs> or uh, emerging from the womb, very dramatic, wouldn't stop crying. So, who used to be a theater act? I mean, I think it's obvious that we know for sure Voight was is like we can all count there that he was he used to be a theater actor uh, or assume. But um, would you like to uh, put your guesses in, uh, Justin, and we can we Sean and I can both quickly research on who um, you think used to be a theater actor between the adults, you know, Vanessa, Scott and hell, even Chatwin and Kylie. Really, uh, the only one I had was um, his name is sorry, Peter Wingfield, the guy. He was like the, the number one henchman to Biscayne. I agree. Yeah, his name is Crow. Uh, at one point, Kylie calls him that Crow guy, and then she refers to him as Biscayne's flunky. Um, and I have in my notes when he, when he's pulling the CD out of the CD drive towards the beginning, and they she bumps into him with the stroller, and it, the disc goes flying into the stroller, mm-hmm. and he says. He says, "Stupid girl," and he put really. It's like you were saying with the way he he says, uh, "Yeah." He has a thing with U's, I guess, because it was like "girl" was spelled with a U. He's a stupid girl, and just throughout the movie, he's doing that kind of thing and really playing it up, going very hammy, um, which is sometimes okay for kids' movies. Or if they had really leaned into the camp and everybody was doing that, I wouldn't have even noticed, but. I feel like he was in his own his own movie there. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was in his own movie for sure. He was in uh, X Men Two, by the way. Um, so that, and it's funny because that character, I kept thinking he reminded me of in Mortal Kombat One. A lot of Mortal Kombat references. Uh, Johnny Cage <laughs> is doing. I don't know. How many, I've seen it a lot, but he's doing his practice. And one of the stunt men in Johnny Cage's introduction falls down after he says, "This is where you fall down." This looked like the same actor, but I'm looking at his stuff, and he wasn't in that. So yeah. I just kept thinking about that. I didn't look up if he was a theater actor, but I did see he was. He played um, Claudius in an adaptation of Hamlet, and he. I thought it was funny. He was in Catwoman, the, the which did win the Razzie that year over this movie. Uh-uh. Um, so he was in both movies in the same year. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, real good for him. He probably got paid the same way, you know, at that level, supporting cast. Yeah. So I'll I'll tell you right now. Now, I mean, in most UK actors, we we kind of always give them the oh, you've definitely done theater. Yep. Uh, the wiki doesn't have much on his any theater experience but he his alma mater is um oxford and then saint bartholomew's hospital medical college university of vermont yeah he went back to school and it says uh he entered a college of medicine as part of the class of 2015 and now he's an anesthesiologist at cedar sinai so that's cool <laughs> i'll go ask him Had a little second career yeah well, yeah were, I, were either of you uh, reminded of Mr. Sheffield from The Nanny? He 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 looked like him to me. I thought it was him was, for a second, especially in some of his oh like, yeah. his headshots. Oh, Mr. Stuff Sheffield. Online. Yeah, he looks like him. Yeah. I, I could see it. I, I, lo- I love that. It was a good show. Uh, n- no, I was just thinking of the Mortal Kombat, though. <laughs> I thought he was in that. You're always thinking of Mortal Kombat. I know. It's so good. I actually rewatched it the other day. Um, wow. He's got a lot of television credits. 
I will I will agree and and say that I thought he too was a theater actor, but it doesn't look like we have proof. So Peter Wingfield, yeah. Uh, although the Hamlet, whoever found the Hamlet thing. Uh, oh wait, wait, wait! On his website it says in 1990, whilst at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London. So I think he was doing classical training. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're UK, I mean, you have to be. Although officially retired as a trampoline national champion, Peter is still a what? focused athlete. He holds an advanced level stage fighting certificate, runs uh, as often as his schedule allows, and ran for Team UNICEF in the 09 ING NYC Marathon. Uh, quite a busy guy. What a life! Yeah, but, yeah incredible. Yeah, I would say that it's safe to say he was he, he stage combat. I mean, there, that's theater right there. So boom. Yeah. Uh, who else? Um, what about Scott Bale? Do you guys think that Scott Bale's got some some theater chops? I would say not. No, I'd say no. I don't think so. Yeah. I'm going to look. The only the only other ones I considered as a possibility were like some of the henchmen, <clears throat> which probably would be stage combat. Like some of those fight scenes, they were yeah. really like playing it up, getting hit by a child and flying. And, <laughs> I don't know. Some of those reaction, reaction shots and stuff, they just seemed way too big for camera. Yeah. Oh, you want to hear? Here's some funny, weird history, guys. During the 90s, Bayo appeared in various television programs, including the short lived Look Who's Talking small screen spin off Baby Talk. So he was typecast. <laughs> it was a show. That's hilarious. Uh, you know, I, I would assume that he was, uh, that he did have some theater because he was, I thought he was kind of theatery in this. He's in a show called How Did I Get Here USA Tour at Broadway Palm Dinner Theater. That doesn't count as did he used to be a theater actor. Maybe he's yeah. now a theater actor. It's a dinner and show. Bio retrospective coming to Broadway Palm. One man show. That's impressive. I guess not. No, it doesn't look like he was. Uh, Vanessa Angel? Mm, I don't think so. This is... We don't get enough in the film from her for me, you know, for me to make a verdict, but I'd say no, maybe. She's also British, though. Um, In that case, I changed my answer. Yeah, right. (laughs) This has got to be the most amazing day in history. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Um, Well, let's see. At 16, she was signed by Ford Models and moved to New York City from England. She appeared on the covers of Vogue and Cosmopolitan and was contracted as the Diet Pepsi girl. Mm-hmm. And then I think she got into film acting from there. So I don't think because when you're when you're a model, most models don't, mm-hmm. you know, they don't go to college, take a break from modeling, that kind of thing, because that's like your prime years for modeling. Yeah. And I don't see anything in this. It doesn't even really have her training, like where she, if she went to school for acting. Uh, I don't see anything that indicates school of life. Yeah. Hard now. Yeah. Oh, wait. Here we go. Hang on. Hang on now. Don't know. Maybe not. So I guess the, the last one, though, worth looking up would be uh, Chatwin and uh, Kylie. <sighs> the only thing that would maybe make me think Kylie was there's. A really strange acting choice in the Willy Wonka Batcave scene where, I don't know if this is a directing thing or a performance thing, but she's like, that. 
Remember there's like a, a butler statue offering her something and then that hologram pops up for a second and offers her something and she gets like irrationally yeah. angry. <laughs> She's yes. like, shut up, shut up, go away, go away. Yeah. I, I, I didn't understand <laughs> why she was reacting like that. Yeah, it was off kilter. And I agree with you. That would make me think theater. So let me look Maybe. her up real quick. I feel Actually, like, have her I feel like chat one no. Just because of like the the ages of these characters, if you're already a film actor when you're in your teens, then it's not like you went to some conservatory when you were ten years old and mm. did stage acting. You know, I don't I don't count well, being in the school plays starting in theater because almost everybody's done that. Fair point, but I you know Tom Holland, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he's young and he his start was theater, so there's there's opportunity there. I forgot he was in World of the Worlds. I forgot. And Dragon uh, Ball Z. Dragon Ball Evolution. One of the other most panned movies of all time. He was the star of Dragon Ball Evolution. Goku. What is that? It's the the live action American version of Dragon Ball. And he was Goku. I I see. I didn't watch any of that stuff. Uh yeah, don't. Oh, it took in the spare time took acting lessons. Okay, yeah, no. Okay. And then finally I'm looking up Kylie Yo. Skylar Shay, yeah. No, nothing, nothing here says that she was. So, lost on that one. Uh, okay, how about the babies? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Did uh, did we officially prove, though, that John Voight was uh, a theater actor, though? No, I don't think we did. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's in Playbill. Yeah, Masada, The Seagull, That Summer, That Fall, The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to Nostalgia Factor, the guest, Justin, you got to take us off on this one because uh, even though you didn't watch it in full back then, you got the clips. I know you kind of touched on the Nostalgia yeah. Factor, so go on. Right. Yeah, that's my key Nostalgia Factor is just my experience watching it, uh, parts of it in that theater with my friend and nobody else except for a few uninterested children. Um, <laughs> Crawling around I, on the floor, right? <laughs> they were like running around. They were screaming and everything. But I also had, in my research, I found, I was looking at the poster art, which we can talk about, but there was a poster for sale for $14.99. And something about seeing that, I just thinking about posters for movies like this floating around, if someone has that at their house or it's in a warehouse somewhere, just the, I don't know, something made me feel nostalgic about the documentation of these things and how you can still go online and buy it if you want it. And theoretically there's someone out there who would want that poster and like you were saying earlier just the the difference between now and then in how we consume movies um how movies are marketed i kind of miss knowing when a bad movie was coming because now it's like it just goes to red box or vod and you never even hear about it unless mm-hmm. you stumble upon it but before then even if it was a piece of shit movie everything was theatrical everything was they were trying to get to you. Um, like this movie I know is they marketed it heavily on Nick Jr. Hmm. Um, it even like the URL on the poster is nickjr.com. Yeah, but I don't think it was produced by Nickelodeon Films, which is the weird thing. No, I think they just, yeah, that was just, I don't know. They put all their eggs in that basket, I guess, to try and get kids to get eyeballs on the trailer or the commercial. Yeah. But just the fact that you you would see something like that on TV or on a trailer before another movie and it would just look so terrible and you'd either avoid it or you'd want to go see it out of a morbid curiosity. Um, I kind of miss that. 
Um, so that made mm-hmm. me nostalgic too. We still have Morbius. I know. I thought of that, and I have a note that says babies being superheroes was thought to be enough before the MCU. Like before we were, it was all superheroes. That would they thought that was enough to get you in the theater to see someone doing some cool shit, like even if they were babies. Uh, and now I was trying to think of heavily marketed movies that really sucked, and Morbius came to mind, and all the memes and everything. But it's just another. Marvel superhero thing. I can't think of anything else that's come out over the last five or ten years that just looks terrible that you would want to go watch in a theater just to experience how bad it is. I Mm. can't think of anything that's not a superhero movie. I got something that you to go off of what you said about the poster art, but that's for my questionable questions. So I'm going to save that for you guys. But I like that you mentioned that because I got something to say about it. Yeah, me too. Um, Yeah. I'll, Justin, were you done? Yeah, I'm done. The only other thing I had was that it was shot on film, which always makes you feel a little nostalgic just to see that yeah. texture and that quality of the colors and all that. Just like the new Beverly, always on film. <laughs> mm. uh, that's that's where mine uh, sort of takes off. I, I wrote down, uh, none for me, but the style has me remembering more innocent times. And I'm, I'm always just going to bring that up. I'm just, you know, it's they were shot differently and uh, you know going off of the film and the texture like it, it's it's just so much better that way and the style i mean you can you can get nerdy and start talking about lenses too because that that's got a lot to do with the um how it's exhibited like how it's just displayed it's it just um it feels like there was a shift in in you know your movies of even between uh, 80, it's almost like a five year shift, 85 to 90. They look a certain way, 90 mm-hmm. to 95 and then 95, you know, every five years. And I feel like this one definitely captured something special about that 2000 to 05 kind of period right there. Um, and it, you, to quote our friend, you do feel like you're in good hands on this one only because of the look. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm I, I feel like I'm an off. I feel like I'm somewhere that I'm kind of comfortable. And there was, there is, you know, there's an innocence of, of just like the world in general. Um, but, uh, there was the, the only other nostalgia that comes from it is the tech, like seeing the, uh, the, the MSN search and, <laughs> and there's this real funny, uh, review uh, or comment on, uh, who I who I wish would be our sponsor, Sean. Fucking uh, letterboxed. Um, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day. Where this person says, uh, "They go." Um, I thought these babies were supposed to be smart. Why are they using MSN search over Google? <laughs> and, and it's it does kind of like it, it's kind yeah. of like yeah. Why are they? Because that was '04. Google was pretty king already by then. You know, it, yeah. the, the search browser wars were more prevalent in like '97, '98. You know, they weren't using Lycos. Yeah, they weren't asking Jeeves. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I said um, there was also. A- Real quick about the technology, there was also a few flip phones. There was the the world-ending information was on a CD-ROM or on, mm-hmm. on a disc. And mm-hmm. there was also, uh, aside from those really dated cameos that we mentioned, there was a Mike Tyson joke. Did you guys? I did not catch that. I did catch that, yeah. That, well, what was it? It was like one of the babies bit the other baby's ear and they said, get away from me, Mike, or something like that. What are, what are you, Mike? I can't remember. That. That's good. I'm mad I didn't see that. I think it was directed at Rosita. It was like, 
Okay, Mrs. Tyson, don't bite my ear off. Okay, yeah, yeah, Mrs. Tyson, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Damn it, I'm kind of mad I missed that. Um, the uh, some, Someone actually wrote on the comments in letterbox SBU greater than MCU. <laughs> Super <laughs> Universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I didn't know that there were so many sequels, but. Uh, you know, even as recent as 2015. But yeah, my nostalgia factor is, you know, kind of capped at at just sort of like the time. And and I got something interesting for Producers Corner off of um, what you said about the Nickelodeon thing, um, because I noticed uh, it looks like this thing was shot in the UK um, or produced there or there, there's a there's a European tie in there. But I'll, I'll say mm. that for producers. I, I think that's it for me on nostalgia. Mm. Yeah, man, yeah, I was okay because yeah, I, I didn't see it back then. Yeah, and along with the film, there was also the. It definitely seemed like it was shot on a back lot, like almost the entire thing, or in a soundstage for anything interior. Yeah, for the holograms and the daycare shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then like the Berlin Wall thing, it and the flashback later on that definitely looked like it was just like a Warner Brothers back lot or something. Yeah. By the way. Uh, Speaking of shot and locations, when she's when she's running with the baby taxi kind of in the middle beginning and she goes, she goes, remember, she stops in the back and she goes, get away from us. What are you doing? You know, it's like such a dry delivery. Did yeah. you notice like first she's in like what looks like a park and then she's all of a sudden in like a dirt road and then all of a sudden she's at some industrial like it just didn't it did the continuity was so bad. <laughs> and it looked like in in that scene it looked like they had a shot where the van was driving towards them and then it looked like they reused it in reverse when it was backing away. And in an earlier scene they used a shot twice twice as well when um, Archie's getting out of a chair in one of those opening scenes. Yeah. I notice same exact shot. Can we also talk about how she's like out running uh, an automotive van while pushing like a four kids yeah. stroller? Like, there's a while where like she's she's uh, you know got a pretty good pace where they can't catch her. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Sean, your nostalgia factor. Going off of uh, saying that, the, like the peak media technology was uh, this disc that was spinning around the room. I I found it interesting that that's also the only way we were able to watch this is uh, buying a DVD off of a used DVD off of Amazon. That's like the only way to watch this film now. So even the the film itself hasn't progressed past the technology in the film. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mic drop right there <laughs> another nostalgia factor thing is there was a certain time where live action talking babies was a whole subgenre, and it seems that time has passed and that makes me feel good inside <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, 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 I'll toast to that because you know why same thing with talking animals. Unless it's computer animated, we don't have to see that anymore. Yeah, we don't need that. Because how many takes did they have to do with these with these kids? You know, where uh, I'm, yeah, the directing of these corner. like mm. toddlers, where they had to be like, yeah. look over here, look over here. Mm-hmm. Okay, open your mouth. <laughs> do you want? Do you want? A, you want a treat? You want a treat? 
Okay. Uh, yeah. If they don't perform, you, you, swap out the twin. Not, Get the twin in here. <laughs> he will not be my director when I do my first <laughs> infant film. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Sean. <laughs> yeah, um, keeping, my, keeping my son away from Sean. <laughs> you got a treat. Oh, is it is it a boy? Do you do you know? Yeah, it's a boy. Yeah, yeah, he's a boy. Congrats! Awesome. Thank you. Wow, what a what a time. I, I love my what I have for non-white casting. I just wrote on him on a bed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I now you know we kind of mentioned it earlier. I don't know if we actually have much to work with on on this because some of this some of non-white casting shot you can honestly always write off to the times you know it doesn't excuse it it doesn't make it permissible but um oddly enough i i will also i think i've we mentioned it before with like you know i'm not going to hold i'm not going to police authenticity and hold it to a specific standard because it's a, it's such a subjective move or decision or choice and i i will like for example selena played a mex a mexican-american character at tejano tejana if you want to get real technical with it played by a puerto rican actress yeah doesn't bother me and it get, i give it a pass because i just see it as latino culture you know and that's its own can of worms or, or whatever you want to talk about there. Yeah. It, it, it's just such a thing to, to get into. And on, so on this, you know, and I mean, that applies to other films as well. There's things that get a pass and to, to some people and things that don't. Um, but I will, I will say if we're going to split hairs a little that I noticed, um, I noticed what Junction, uh, what Junction, <laughs> Junction, <laughs> Justin mentioned earlier, which is actually was Sean mentioned earlier about the, um, even, even the term was such a cop out that, that companies use like, oh, our urban division, you know, yep. um, like, okay, define that company. <clears throat> um, yeah, they, they, they decided like to make, uh, the non-white actors sort of, I don't. I don't even know if stereotype. I guess stereotype, for lack of a better term, is the right is the right uh, word for this. But um, they were very carefree with their choices, and they didn't care, and they did. But then again, they in the defense of the babies. I mean, they didn't give any of them really much to <laughs> to work with. I'm talking like they're fucking adult actors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they did. I mean, yeah, like <sighs> I, I will give them. Because this, I mean, stuff with, like, The Simpsons animation, like, with voice acting, even to this day, it's just mostly white people voicing characters of all races. And I did see, at least mm -hmm. for, like, Alex, you know, who has, quote-unquote, urban lines to deliver, they, they cast Rashad Hood, who is a person of color. Mm. Well, thank goodness. Um, low, low bar to clear. <laughs> <laughs> you know you gotta wonder though you gotta wonder if he had any sort of sometimes they allow uh voice actors to they'll model like a, a whole um uh, display of the character after the voice actor which is kind of cool it's kind of a nice little respectable thing that they do nowadays yeah. to yeah, for the for the performer but um or they didn't seem to care about lip syncing 
you know, kind of no, kind of like no, Munchie no. with the, the flapping gums where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. Dom DeLuise just got whatever. to say whatever he yeah. wanted in post. Right. Maybe maybe it was the same thing with the voice actors for these babies. I, f- I felt like even with the adult cast, it seemed like most of the movie was ADR. It just sounded bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I there were a few over the shoulders, which happens pretty often. But Yeah, the Italian style, you know, like Fellini did for all of his films. They, they never did sync Man. sound. That's weird. Yeah. yeah, it can offer a whole nother take on the film, though, if you think about it. Uh, it's more of like a commentary versus a dialogue. The, uh, the, yeah, I would say that maybe we should start scoring non-white casting and say like you know four out of five type thing. I don't know, just yeah. a thought. The because you can't if you want to get real technical with it. I mean, you know, this is interestingly a, a challenging one to talk about. What's fair? What's not fair? Well, you know? Yeah, I think we could still mm-hmm. kind of recast roles. Mm-hmm. I don't know any babies, but we can talk about <laughs> the, yeah, the, the adults. You gonna, know, like I was gonna throw out the question. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sean. Go ahead. Yeah, like I see, I could see Sinbad as the dad, Mr. Bobbins, and uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Kane. I think he'd have fun with that role. That'd be so much more fun. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I was going to throw out the question of, is there anyone, maybe like in the early 20s now, that would have been a baby at the time uh-huh. that you would have cast cast as one of the babies? Zendaya? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, Meghan Markle? <laughs> Just like the cast of Euphoria uh, as babies? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Isn't that called Skins on MTV? <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know... Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just I'm going to piggyback on your Samuel Jackson suggestion and be like, that's that's mine. That would have made the, the whole movie so much better. Yeah. And he still does the German accent. Well, Whoopi Goldberg shows up, but that's as herself as a cameo. And there was I guess there was a bit of I don't want to say white washing more like white only. <laughs> no, it's bad. I mean, a blonde, blue eyed kid, you know, Mm, very and then even even uh kylie's love interest is very blonde very very white i don't know i don't even know if i have a problem with it to be honest because the movie's so bad i don't know justin please take away here no i don't know what to say on this one I had I I saw a few people of color in there, but they were like camera operators for the news station. Um, there was like one lady who was working at the the um, help. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as far as the low bar, at least they had Rosita and mm-hmm. what's his name, Alex. Alex. Yeah. At least they were. Mm-hmm. At least they they tried, I guess. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like their powers, like um, Archie's power was that he was super smart he had like the cap and tassel and everything was his costume mm-hmm. meanwhile alex is in like a toy story ripoff ball like bouncing around <laughs> that's his power yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah how did they justify it, that anyway i don't know and then there was that scene because during... i feel like the other ones they were like it's the opposite of who you think you are but it's like right yeah. so he's the it, he thinks he's the opposite of a bouncy ball what is it what does that even mean <laughs> And then there was a weird dynamic where uh, Archie was telling him what to do to like go bounce off this person, that person, that one, and then he just did it, and that was his yeah. that was his uh, contribution to the. 
<laughs> you know, my analysis of this did did stop when I saw the camera guys. It, it was right before the press conference. I noticed that too, and yeah. that's kind of where I was like, okay, I see where. Uh, to quote, to quote Marcus Sean Black Alert, I see that that's where we're going to just arrive. Right. Um, right. And that's probably well, as far to as to be like, fair, Alex. Right, but should have been your first alert. <laughs> yeah, that opens up another convo about though, like you know, white passing uh, people of color. Mm. Like uh, Rosita is obviously very light skinned um, uh, minority, you know, c- character person, uh, and so was Alex. Yeah. Uh, very light skinned. So it, it it does make you wonder, like, well, did they just not want dark people in of any you know importance in like leader leader lead roles, higher leading roles? Probably. Um, but but I, see, yeah. at the same time, just you know, being on this on this end of it, like, I'm not gonna again policing. I think I think the crime has to be pretty severe and intense to. Uh, to warrant like a, a violation, you know, and this whole business is make believe. So I'm, I'm not I've, sure. I mean, that's the reason why it could, it should be anyone on the screen is because it's make believe, mm-hmm. you know, the same reason why like all mm-hmm. these fantasy TV shows, why can't they be mm-hmm. led by people of color? You know, it's all make believe. I think, I think there's some significant evidence with the poster which we've mentioned a couple times. The poster has four super white babies who are not in the movie. Yep. <laughs> and they're wearing sunglasses, which in the movie, the only person who wears sunglasses is Kahuna. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Who who are these children on the poster? Who are I don't these know. I, I, I don't know if they were in the first one either. Maybe. Maybe it's like a re- reused photo mm-hmm. that they had from the first production on the first one or something but the closest we get to them to the actual actors is there's a there's and there's two versions of the poster it's, it's for yeah. my question i'm gonna ask you so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it, but the closest you get in one of the posters is a bouncy ball um, yeah. and then the helicopter and you can sell there. It, probably, yeah captain courageous yeah. or whatever that was the main thing for me was the poster just false advertising and why they would do that uh seems insidious um, but I did have a few like dream castings. I don't know if you, I don't know if you usually do them like people who were working at the time or just anybody, but mine are more like people who came to fame later. So yeah. for Kane and Kane and Kane slash Biscayne, I had Ken Jong. Okay. Yeah. He'd be funny. Yeah. He'd be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like he's that right level of fame. Like he's not so huge. You'd be like, what's he doing in this? But. And comedic delivery, although yeah. Void did good, but go ahead. Yeah, and he would like he's recognizable enough to draw people in the way that it seems like they were hoping uh, John Voigt would do. Uh, for Kylie, her name is uh, Storm Reed. Speaking of Euphoria, she's the younger sister in Euphoria. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. in a, ring, a Wrinkle in Time, yep. and she was the daughter in The Invisible Man. I could see her as Kylie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for Zach call me woke but i casted zach as a female as well we'd have a little same-sex relationship here would be isabella merced i don't know if that's how you say her name she played uh, dora the explorer in the oh yeah the live action movie i know she is uh which one was zach was that chatwin chatwin 
Yeah, Chowman. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. they would have a little love story going on, and she, I guess, would be helping. <laughs> if the Sean, movie, what do you, what, if the story what was do you the think same. the Christian movie guy would have said there? Huh? <laughs> I think they would have had big problems with it. But yeah. uh, but I like the idea. They're it. friends. They're roommates. Yeah. <laughs> so if you I'm guys are gonna go, go all the way. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would have been that. Hey, and you know, and if not, and if if like the studio said cut that out would have done it anyway just to just be like they're friends like you said hmm. yeah well, post, like post-credit scene making out under the bleachers or something <laughs> oh god <laughs> no it's not baby geniuses anymore yeah so. super baby is unrated <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, yeah. no we don't need that <laughs> look who's talking now. okay uh, uh, uh. Uh, moving on to the corners. So producer's corner. I got I got these notes right here. I said shot in UK question mark mark child actor laws question mark. And then I said, are there stricter SAG like performer requirements for babies? Capitalized babies with an exclamation mark and a question mark. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote a uh, good producer move casting twins and triplets. And then what a headache SMH. Now I will expound upon these. Um, so I, I think this was shot in Europe. Um I saw I saw something in there that there was some sort of production end of this shot in in, in uh, Europe or the, in the UK or maybe that's where it was licensed or something. And I wonder because you know when you when you're making films and you're 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 running things through an LLC made for the film, it mm-hmm. presents quite a few opportunities and challenges um, and loopholes. Uh, so. With, you know, we just from our training and our experience, we know that uh, did any of you guys have children in your in your Columbia films? Uh, no. I think I was on set for other people who had them, but I never cast. Yeah, them. no, I think I, I always Diego did cast even <laughs> even in like high school roles. I think I always cast over 18. Yeah. Yeah. So look, nothing against kids and child actors and, you know, not that I don't like kids, but I fuck that. I don't want to deal with that. I just don't just producer headache you with kids or with minors. Rather, you have to, you know, you have to follow very strict requirements uh, on set and um, with SAG and with just laws and in general. And you just really have to tighten your belt on like being careful and because there's there's the hour uh, performer limits and breaks and and um, you can't keep them there past a certain time and you have to have an adult present and all these things. I can't even imagine I didn't even think about what it'd be like for fucking babies. Like, is there even a separate list of rules for not not only child performers, but <laughs> baby performers? I don't like, think so. I, I, I think it's the same, I, like no more than six hours uh, a day. Which is, you know, you have two and then you can fill out 12 hours. They probably keep very, very tight logs of like when the the child is actually working. Yeah, I'm, I should look it up. I, I will in a moment. But um, so those are my the, my my producer's corner is at the simultaneously. Wow. I just got to say as shitty as the movie was, it's very impressive. Like this whole thing was driven by babies, you know, and as Sean was saying earlier, you know, with, with, (laughs) 
Hey, hey, in the snapping about how you would direct them. I'm that's like, not how I um, would, but that's probably how they were yeah, directed. Uh, fucking with you a little bit. I would say, dude, props to you. You know, I'd be the producer. Like, I, I've always wanted to be boots on the ground producer, as the, the capital P producers mm-hmm. like to call it. Not for this one. I would have phoned it in like Dom DeLuise on Munchie. I would have fucking been like, hey, how's, is it good? Yeah, you, you need anything? All right. You need any money? Swipe the card. I'm not on that set. I would not want to be that. That is just such a challenge. And then you got to deal with like the parents and, and just the kids everywhere. I mean, ch- children performers are already challenging and difficult to work with, even the ones that are talented. I mean, it, I've seen the BTS of, of movies where they talk to the the filmmakers and, and you know, even Macaulay Culkin, I think, was not difficult, but a challenge to work with because like they may have sparks of 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 performance and and takes like wonderful takes, but that that's not consistent. Like you have to kind of wait. Yeah, you kids know? aren't kids aren't built to focus. Yeah, like intently for several hours at a time. Right. So um, and so that was that's my question. Is like, are there stricter perform uh, uh, requirements for you know babies uh, and then. I wrote, you know, the good uh, producing move, I think, was like, man, if uh, okay, let's just use what we know about child performers. You have to they have a limited amount of hours that they can be on set. (laughs) But they also have a cutoff. So and that's why I wrote the UK thing. So if any of this was shot in the UK, I wonder what the laws are there, because they have they are known to be a bit more liberal Mm. than what we do in the States in general. How late could the babies go? And at what point do you swap out the baby? And wow, like shout out to the production or the 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 wardrobe and and the continuity in the script soup and the you know HMU like you fooled me. I didn't know that the I think Kahuna was a was triples right. Yeah. I didn't know there was three brothers. Well, that's um, a, that's a but, good point because I just I just pulled up the credits to double check on the location that you brought up. Cause I, I didn't think of that before, but it, it's, it says on the credits, a United Kingdom dash German co-production. Yeah. So maybe another reason for why Kahuna was dubbed, even though he Kahuna. was like six or seven, you think that's a capable enough <laughs> age to like voice your own dialogue. Maybe it's cause he's not American. Maybe none of the maybe. babies were American, you know? It's not like they could have used their dialogue in the first place. Right. I'm just wondering if that's the only reason Kane had an accent and they had the Berlin Wall backstory and all that. If that was because of where they shot, was that thrown in later? I mean, it's not like they were making Germany look good. That's true. Right. <laughs> Maybe he had the accent to make the children feel more at home. Again, shout out to the producers though on casting. You know, like they they really just went for the two for one, the 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 twofers, uh, the buy one get ones. You know, I I wonder, I question how ch- uh, baby actors are paid to the parents. You know, because every it's very intriguing. It's a, it's an interesting case study. And if I was put in the position to produce this, I would. Definitely have to life hack the shit out of it and, mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, get get called triplets if that's a word, you know, get a bunch of uh, um, so we can have yeah, so many octuplets. opportunities. Yeah, yeah, octomom. There you <laughs> go. And then uh, the I said, what a headache. Also, just because in general, like I would not want to deal with any. 
every set's got its set of fires. And I don't know what fires this thing presented because we didn't find much trivia, uh, you know, for the weird history. So you got to wonder, like, what it was like doing this and who was there, who was the baby wrangler, you know. Um, so it's just it's impressive. I will say that it's impressive to to churn out what they did with this, it, even if it wasn't that well executed. Um, or excuse me, it was well executed, even if the end product wasn't that entertaining, like. Uh, yeah. film wise it's a complicated but, thing to yeah. do yes it is so it and i'm and i respect it and i'm impressed um so that's that's my producer's corner cool let's uh let's go into the director's corner and uh justin you can just jump in wherever in preparation for this episode i watched uh super babies first and then noticed the bob clark christmas story connection and I've just been trying to wrap my mind around, like, how does this happen? So I went last night and I watched Porky's for the very first time. That was a classic. It's it's a horrible movie. It's it's <laughs> terrible. It's racist. It's misogynistic. It's a classic. It's, it's kind of boring, too, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I'm like, OK, that movie doesn't work. That's why Super Babies doesn't work. But then this morning I got up and I watched Black Christmas. Uh, with Margot Kidder. Uh, and that was yeah. pretty good. So I think maybe he only cares when he's doing a Christmas movie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's, just, there's just something. Chris, rewatch Porky's. It's not as good as you remember. I I've, I saw it when I was, <laughs> dude, I've seen it plenty of times. It's uh, Yeah, you probably saw it when you were a teenager. It's playing right you now. You like identified with the guys who was like, the guys in the movie who were yeah. just like, I just no, want to get laid. Yeah, funny. I want to see boobies. What? Like, what's what's yeah? yeah what is I this did. film contributing that's, to the world? Right. That's that's the only thing I know about that movie. I've never seen it. I just know the box cover. Same. Yeah. I would see it when I was just the right age to stare at it every time. And then the see, there's a scene where they're like looking through a hole into a women's locker room or something, right? That that's all I know about it. Which has a very interesting payoff that when I was younger didn't expect to see. I was uh, aside from like what you know you're gonna see. I was I was kind of surprised, but uh, but go on. Yeah. So yeah, just trying to wrap my mind around like how someone who's a pretty capable director can make these choices. I don't know, Justin, if you had any thoughts about that. I mean, you you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking the same thing. I've never seen Porky's, but I thought it had a pretty good reputation. And same with Black Christmas. And then I love a Christmas story. So I was just wondering how he started his career a certain way and then ended it with this and the karate dog. And yeah, I, I, th I feel like he must have been really good with those kids and a Christmas story. And then it all just, it seemed like you forgot everything for this. I know they were way younger, but even with uh, Kahuna and the teenagers, well, I don't know if they're actually teenagers, but Kaylee and Zach. Yeah. Um, I just feel like his directing wasn't there. I don't know. It's partly the writing, but it seemed like he could have done a lot to work with what he had and made it better. Yeah. I, I also, f it seemed like some of the scenes he tried harder and I was wondering, maybe they shot those first and then he realized it was going to be a turd and he stopped caring as much or something. But like the opening scenes, even the very first scene in the the daycare uh -huh. 
there were like a few pretty cool camera moves and like a cool shot through the blinds when the mom's like looking at the kids and he had some interesting coverage with the kids sitting at the table and everyone got their their shot and everything and I was like oh when I started watching it I was like oh, this directing is better than I would expect like he's actually working with his DP and he's trying interesting things right and then mm-hmm. there was a decent fight scene and then that never really happened again maybe there was a little bit of reveal with the bat cave but other than that it was he didn't do anything special except for that flashback scene I'll keep defending that because I like that yeah maybe you could just <laughs> you could do an edit of this movie that's just the flashbacks yeah and, and it'd be a perfect film I'd, I'd watch it yeah i'd watch it i would too me too that's all i re- that's all i really had for director's corner like i don't know it's not like this film sparked a lot of things for me but uh i just found it really interesting the arc of anyone's career i always find interesting so and i think he was friends with john voight so maybe it was just one of those like favor phoned it in type things it happens. Right. Yeah. It is it's kind of sad that this is his last film on his filmography <laughs> to go out on this one. Yeah. But he'll always have a Christmas story. Although I'll admit mm-hmm. I never knew who directed that until doing this research. I didn't know who it was or what else he had done. So hmm. questionable questions. We're at the end. We are at the end. Um it's funny because my my only question to you two is is um, uh, about the it's pretty simple. But I did write in here initially. I wrote Justin, tell us more. <laughs> um, but that was more like why <laughs> Justin? Uh, why? But I think we've uh, yeah. I think we've uh, no. I mean we you know we we kind of opened with that you know, and we in the meat of our, of this episode, we definitely talked about like how I think we can we can all three agree that it's it's. Um, I feel like impressive doesn't give it the right justice, but for lack of a better term, it's impressive how we are able to, you know, do a whole episode about this and uh, even Munchie. I mean, for that matter, like there's, you know, these films deserve the same. I mean, critics watch them. They got to review them. Christian Movie Guide (laughs) reviewed this one. Like you have to look at it. So Mm -hmm. why not? Why not talk about it? And there's a lot to where I mean, look, we, we, we. yeah, a whole episode here is, is good stuff in this episode for sure. So uh, um, you can answer that later, Justin, as to why. But um, my question for you two, and I actually have to put it in the text chat, is uh, stand by. Let's see here. Okay, where? Come on now. This on sorry. Zoom chat or phone? Uh, phone text. Uh, the text that uh, the uh, the group text we have. Is this like a very long question? Is there a reason you can't say it out loud? No, no, no. It's real simple. Uh, I'm afraid. You have to look at it. Okay. It involves a picture or something. Yeah, it's a picture. Don't be afraid. But which two, between the two posters I just sent in the group chat, which which, uh, poster is better for this film? Um, Because I think, so there's the first one, which is just the babies, and then the second one has Kahuna. I think the second one is a ripoff of I can't tell which movie, but it's a ripoff of another movie. But which poster works better for this film? That's my question. I think if it's between these two, <laughs> uh, the first one will. It I don't like that it doesn't show Kahuna, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's less misleading. <laughs> the 
The second one, America's favorite talking babies are back. That's a, <laughs> a lie. <laughs> the also, I noticed this on the different posters. The the second yeah. one, the four babies, they both have these white babies that aren't in the movie. The the second one, they have these weird like belts on their diapers, which yeah, I guess yeah, are, super, super. are those supposed to like symbolize their their powers? I and they're I not. Which I thought that was misleading as well. Like it makes it look like they're going to be like a baby Justice League or something. Like it's the Flash Green Lantern. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And if you notice, there's a shitty fucking Photoshop of the glasses on, right. especially on the second kid. It's <laughs> covering his hair. The not. And the third, and the, are... the like third kid from the left. Is he screaming? Is he like? Yeah. Is it like his war cry? <laughs> He's yawning, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that part's true that's about good. the. That's good representation yeah. of the film. Yawning. Yeah. Um, the first one at least has two other character. Oh, actually, they're in both posters, aren't they? I don't know. I saw another one where it was the image from the first poster, but it had a tagline at the bottom, and it said "Don't crawl" or it said "Don't drive, crawl." Yeah, I saw Jesus. that one too. That's the one on Wikipedia, I think. Yeah, I was like. I thought they were talking about that was something within the movie, which didn't make sense because Kahuna is driving around everywhere. But now I'm realizing, well, is is that directed at the audience? Like, don't drive to the theater, crawl to the yeah, theater, and yeah. watch. I would say it is. I think it is. Uh, yeah, because you don't want to get you don't want to get there when the movie starts. You want to crawl <laughs> and get there right before the end, and then you, know, you don't want to see this. Hey, by the time you get there, crawling and the movie's over. Exactly. You know? It's take a while to get to the theater. By the way. Uh, uh, if you know, just for the sake of, of separation here, we'll we'll call there's a family edition one sheet, and then the other one's the um, just the baby yeah. one sheet. So family edition is the DVD. Yeah. So I, I gotta wonder what makes it the family edition. What's the what's the difference? Yeah. They, do they censor it a little bit? Right. Your choice, Justin, is the is the non family edition posters better between these two? Yeah, between those two, yeah. Ideally, I'd make a whole new poster that'd be completely different. But yeah, if it's between those two, the first one, non family edition. I like the family edition poster between these two. Uh, Sean, what's your choice? Uh, my first thought was that I like the family edition one better, but then the more I look mm-hmm. at it, and the the other one, I'm just more confused. Why are there three <laughs> helicopters? Didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, Kahuna is the only one with a helicopter, right? Why are yeah. the three helicopters? Hey. Uh, it looks like the like tiny silhouette of Kane is still on the Family Edition poster, but it's obscured by America's favorite talking babies are back. So that's just like messy yeah. design there. At least the first one has like uh, this portentous orphanage in the bottom left hand corner. And like another yeah. tiny helicopter next to it, it looks like they're just trying mm-hmm. to squeeze in as many helicopters as they can. Mm-hmm. But it has it has cane, so that's good. Mm-hmm. It's got some weird. If you look at the top, top left, yeah, the top left, it looks like the Matrix data. Yeah, <laughs> it looks through. like a yeah. digital representation of the world or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about that when the program that they show to to brainwash the children. This weird like minstrel style like frog <laughs> dancing around, and then it like I zoomed in on the his, frog. 
Yeah, it's that was when they showed the Matrix thing. It zoomed in on his pants, and then it was like, yeah, it looked identical to the Matrix, but it was red instead of green. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's a message it's hidden. Weird. Yeah, that I like that frog. It was pointless. Yeah. This but, was uh, like five years after the Matrix, so yeah. the influence could could have been there. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'll go I with like, the first uh, Alex's first poster. Baby bowl. The baby bowl. <laughs> yeah. He's just got his hands up. Uh, yeah. So, okay, that was that's my only question, um, but maybe I'll have some in, in y'all's questionable questions. So, uh, yeah. which which one did you like better, Chris? Of those, I like the family edition. Mm. Okay. Yeah, something about Kahuna being something about a character who's actually in the movie. Yeah, that an helps. actor who's actually in the movie <laughs> is like, oh, you know, a little like, wait, I forgot who's right. who. Like, I can't say, <laughs> oh, there's uh, Rosita. You know, yeah. It kind of told you about the plot a little. He had like the headset, like he's dispatching the other babies. Yeah, yeah. Like he's the leader sort of and, you know, doing something. And it, it that looks like Kahuna, right? That's the same. It's the actor. That's, yeah. that's him, right? I don't know what they're trying to do with these four. One of them. I don't know what One they're trying the to do with these four babies. It's it's not like the, the babies in the movie are ever topless like this. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, that's it's it's disturbing. <laughs> it's uh, something about kids in a, their diaper all all ninety yeah, minutes. It's kind of disturbing, but yeah, it is weird. There you go. It's a better word. Uh, all, all right, right. I'm, I'm I'm done with my question, Justin. Uh, so one question I had is: Is John Voight okay? <laughs> when I when I no, I was googling John. I was googling John Voight, and it said. People often ask, or whatever, you know, the little section on Google where it has like questions. The first question said, "Is John Voight okay?" <laughs> but but I, I said, "Does John Voight have a weird thing for babies?" I don't. Why? Not only is why is he not only in this movie, but in all the sequels? I I can't comprehend that. He's not making any money, not any serious money. Uh-huh. All the sequels were straight to video. Hmm. You know, I, it's funny you say that because I, I asked the same question while watching the movie. But in, in regards to his limp, um, it made me wonder, like, does he have does John Voight have an actual limp as a as a person? Because in uh, one of my favorite Voight performances was Varsity Blues. And he just he really knocked it out the park with that Texas coach um, performance. But he's got a limp in there, too. And I, is a, it's just is that age? You know, or is that uh, a character choice? So is he okay? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I want to make. It cl- I don't think he is, Justin. I don't think I, he is. I'm gonna, I'll make it clear. I'm not saying he's like a, a pedophile or a creeper or something. I just think, what's his Agreed. reason for doing these movies? Why does he enjoy working with babies? Is it because he can command more of the performance? Is, he, is it easier to work with? <laughs> it's easier with to command who, babies than any other person. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about like. <laughs> playing scenes with them he just gets to well, do his- I, I didn't know he had so much he's got comedic chops they were shitty comedic com- lines they were like just get dumb but they were something about his delivery i was just kind of impressed he could be entertainingly yeah. funny like a little bit <laughs> there's one line where he says will somebody retrieve this unfortunate child <laughs> sums up the whole movie um that's probably what he was saying like, after every take with with a child. <laughs> right. I I kind of already asked the question earlier, is this a comedy? I think we answered that. But my main question, all caps, 
who was this made for? Who do you guys think it was made for? To answer that, uh, I would say it, it's, it, it's had to be made for the for parents and kids. <laughs> and it sounds convenient, but it, I think I mean that's that's why you make these, right? Yeah, it it I think their ideal target audience would have been children or like as a family film, but it's so strange. It doesn't it doesn't feel like that either. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm confused because it doesn't seem like it's like anyone would enjoy this of any age. I like you were saying earlier, all the the cast and crew coming to work every day and putting giving their all. But I'm I'm wondering when in their minds as they're as they're producing this, they're like, can't wait for kids to see this. They're gonna love it. Like who are the who are they thinking of when they were putting it all together? They they had to be thinking of kids. They had to be. It was a money a money grab. Yeah, and you know how much money kids have. Yeah, it, was, it kind of been a passion project. I mean, just, it seemed I like know. it was mostly for kids, but there's just so many things where it's like, why would a child like that? And I saw with my mm. own eyes that children didn't like it in that theater yeah. in 2004. But like, there's like some of the dialogue they wouldn't even understand, like the reveal yeah. of the brother. Right. They East Berlin. That. Who gives a shit about East Berlin <laughs> when you're five years old? <laughs> Unless you live in East Berlin. When it goes into the flashback and Archie's voiceover, he's like, you know, the Berlin Wall and all that stuff. <laughs> he just like brushes it off. Like he doesn't, nobody cares about it. Right. It's just one of those many secrets that babies hold. <laughs> I'd say kids just for the money grab, but it, it was a it was a failure. Well, one question I had when I was watching it was, what are the rules of the universe? But What are the rules? I don't know if we want it. I don't know if we want to go into that, but... Like mainly Kahuna's powers, and then also he's an adult, but he still had like bottles full of the serum that he made, and he was talking about his baby teeth. <laughs> yeah, what's and he in had that liquid? Sucker. Does not yeah. Hulk juice. I don't Gatorade. know. There was, that was one of the lines that kids. That was one of the lines that kids would understand when uh, Zach is explaining it, and he's like, "It's a proprietary blend of that enhances <laughs> his physiology or something." I don't know. <laughs> Oh, so many violations. And the, the same thing with the babies and they're they're talking who could understand them and who couldn't. And there was a really weird, creepy shot of Kahuna where he talks to the babies and it was subtitled. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In in baby talk. It was Yeah, it very, sounded yeah, it, it, it sounded like Klanon like or something. It was, yeah, just like, bad. It, was like, it was like demonic. It was like they maybe they reversed his dialogue or something. Yeah, I probably. Probably. I thought Kylie was yeah, going to learn yeah, how yeah. to talk baby by the end or something. <laughs> did, did either of you think that, that like Kylie or the parents would like learn to understand the yes. kids? I swear, if that's yes. in the deleted scenes somewhere, <laughs> please find it. Well, especially the mom, because she was convinced from the opening scene that the babies were talking to each other. Right. She was very obsessed with like repeating the premise of this film over and over again. <laughs> That's why I wanted you to put the line in there, Sean, for the opening sketch was uh, when she goes, Kylie says, it wasn't the mom or was it the mom? I think it was Kylie. She goes, one of those two were, were like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> and it just, it just paid off pretty well. So that was probably my circle take. That, That's I why I that asked was, for it. I think that was Vanessa Kylie. Angel. Oh, okay. Thought, it was Kylie. I, yeah. I thought it was Kylie when she's talking to them by the van at the end, when she's convincing yeah, them then, to come along to the bat cave. Yeah, the cops. They're, yeah, because Chatwin. Damn, I forgot all about this part. Yeah, he plays the cop. He tries to, you know, 
person made yeah. a cop. But. And then like 10 real cops. It took like 10 real cops to arrest him. <laughs> to arrest like him. Gathering yeah. around him. <laughs> no struggle. <laughs> like the background needs something to do. Just have him with no, the he's been, he's like, been living with doing? Kahuna for like five years and Kahuna couldn't teach him some kung fu or something. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. I'm sorry. One more thing I had to mention. That reminds me. Um, in the fight scene at the end, Kylie is fighting these henchmen. Mm-hmm. The only the only way I could put together that she knew how to fight was the one scene where she's watching Zach kick the dummy. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Like doing karate. Yeah. 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 So, there, so there was that. And then also in that end scene, all of a sudden, they were all wearing black leather. Did you notice that? Yeah. Uh-huh. They never they showed them. The, both the parents, Kylie, Zach, everybody had black leather on. And yeah, it, was, it was very <laughs> X Men of that era. Wow. So again, the rules of the rules of the the universe. None of it made sense. None of Kahuna's powers or abilities. Yeah. None of the where they got these things. The the holograms. There's there was the scene where they had the hologram cop who was convincing the parents that but then Kahuna he, is talking. He's right. Yeah, but then they could touch yeah. him. But then the hologram. Yeah, the hologram was holding one of the babies. Yeah. I made note of that. I was like, how is this how does this work? <laughs> what if Kahuna's a hologram? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think uh, Kahuna's He's been dead for real. like 80 like, years, but it's just a hologram. Yeah, fucking uh what's that movie with the Bruce Willis and the kid? Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. <laughs> kid is he ain't alive. He's a figure of their imagination. That's why he's uh, immortal. Uh, <laughs> This is getting great. This movie's good. <laughs> Sean, what's your question? Uh, my question is, who would you hold responsible for the creation of this movie? Jeez. That's a great question. It's a great question. Um, the writers. My answer. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I'd agree with Chris. For the quality of the movie, the writers. For bringing into existence at all, I would, I would guess the studio. Like going back to what you said earlier, if they have the rights to something, they're just going to keep doing it, even if it had, just if it had any success, they're going to make more. So, mm. but as far as the execution, yeah, the writers, because I think the directing and the cinematography was pretty good. The acting was decent enough. Yeah, it was really the script was bad. What about you, Sean? Uh, the American people. Hey, could have been shot in Europe, man. We, we, we don't know. Now. We brought this movie upon ourselves. Yeah, we asked for but it. But really, yeah. I, I read that as early as 2000, John Voigt had this movie on his production development slate. So maybe he's the one at fault. He must have been pushing for this. Although, Sean, I think you're right, actually, about the American people, because this, this movie is trying to be, I don't know which came first, but it's trying to be Spy Kids. Um, Hook, Home Alone. It's trying to be so much, so many other films, and at some point, the streams crossed, uh, or the Back to the Future universe paradox happened, and 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 um, uh, Leah Thompson ran into her younger self, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, um, or actually it was a different actress, right? No, it wasn't Leah Thompson; it was someone else, but it was, yeah, right. (laughs) I'm old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and the universe just exploded, and we got this thing that you know, annihilation was worse, but uh, this Mortal Kombat annihilation was worse. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. The American people. (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. My last, yeah, I got, uh, I can't even, I don't even know how to tie this in exactly, but going back to the baby talk, Sean, you know that I like to always quote that part of The Office, that episode of The Office where Andy is called into Michael's office and he, he goes, people have been complaining that you speak in baby you speak too much baby talk mm-hmm. you know and he goes andy saw we <laughs> that would have been more entertaining baby talk if you asked me versus this thing i don't know it sounded disturbing <laughs> so you know i got that i don't know it's afterthoughts thank you baby <laughs> yeah well what does he say Justin, do you know this episode of The Office where he goes, yeah. well, huh. well, you know, people say that your Elvis voice isn't that great. <laughs> and then it, it adds in, Sean just said, uh, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, well, for what it's worth, your, your Elvis voice is just top notch. Thank you, baby. I'm good. I'm good. Any final words? I think I'm good. Uh, Justin, do you have anything uh, that you'd like us to to mention, uh, outline any projects you want p- people to be directed to? Plugs. Plugs. I don't think so at the moment. Um, just working right now. Got it, As you mentioned, got a baby on the way, so that'll tie up my time for a bit. I will say, if you ever want to have me back, I'd love to come back, and I'd love to talk about a movie that one or all of us love instead of a bomb. <laughs> um <laughs> But thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me bring this movie and for being your first guest. It was awesome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Justin. All right. uh, Catch us on uh, our next episode. Yeah, our next episode will be Rushmore. Catch us on the next one. This has been Circle Takes. Bye.